We're live. You, you want me to do my intro now? 100%. Pretty hyped on it. Wait, I need method acting. I'm going to have to get into it, you know. My man, my man, chill, chill. Yeah, no problem. Get the wallet, get the wallet. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, I got cash. I got cash. Bam! Oh, oh, why are you limping? How's that knee? Wait, you forgot the cash. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> Let's reload in case he comes back. <clears throat> You're trying to get wheelchair accessible, huh? Mm. This is in case in case James wanted to go crazy at the club the other night. I don't, we spent some money. We spent some money. Yeah, well, we're a team. We're a team. We're a team. My money, your money. So that used to be a big stack of cash? Yeah, right. That's a, You hear that, that flex? <laughs> that used to be a big <laughs> stack of cash? <laughs> For your information, when I went up there, after I had removed the James Party Fund cash, it was so big I couldn't get the rubber band around it. It wouldn't fold, so I had to make oh, two yeah. piles. That's what she said. Mm. <laughs> um, okay. My man, Aaron, Ron, Dan. The hell, man, you are not only the best looking, the, well, let's start with a lie. I got to think of another one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My man, you are the most well-connected dude in our industry. Not only are you a complete joy and wonderful and brilliant. There, I thought of like three more all at the same time. No, it. It's always so good to see you. We're just fresh off a trip from Argentina where the boys, the narwhals, like laid the smack down on a bunch of Argentinian mammals. Uh, We completed a grand slam while we were there. It's a great time. So now. I shot a stag with your fix. Oh, you did. The oldest stag in America. Yeah. Or not America. We were not. I guess we were in South America. Yeah. Um, In Argentina. Oh, my God. But they were convinced that was like the oldest stag they had seen. I have seen a few stags in my day. And. I mean, he couldn't jump a fence. His hip bones were sticking out so bad. Like, that was, like, we all like to claim, oh, it's a mercy kill. We killed the oldest thing. That is the first time, that is second time I've ever seen in probably a thousand animals. That was, I would have shot that one out of season illegally. That one was so, well, Christine, gonna make you edit that out. But it was just, yeah, he couldn't jump a, a cattle fence to get away from us once he, he saw us. I mean, that was, it was sad. Yeah, and well into season, still had velvet, you know, and yeah. But anyway, so we'll, we'll get back into that story after we have another shot or two. Aaron, Trailblazer Arms. Good morning. This, it's double Aaron, right? That's right, A A Ron. A A Ron. Okay, yeah. Oh, wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, this is so fun. Oh my God, I love this thing. Because, you know, it's like, because, you, you know, I got all these, like, disguise weapons and stuff, so I'm sort of into this. And that's probably exactly what you don't want me to say about this thing, I'm sure. Um, but uh, this little fold-up go-in-your-pocket thing, it's so cool. It's like, what are you going to use it for? I mean, you saw me just defend myself at the ATM machine. It was wonderful. It fits right in your wallet? Right in my wallet. Um, Way smaller than that stack of bills. Yeah, Daddy does okay. So, um, yeah, what a cool thing. How fun is that? 
And I tell you, so so we'll we'll get into all your stuff, but I'm so excited about it. So we spent some time yesterday doing some shooting with it. Good time. And now you got the threaded barrel version. Oh, with the silencer. But now you got something. Because this is incredible. But it's loud. I mean, you saw, like, homie's deaf and now is in a wheelchair. But it's loud. But, man, when you can put a silencer on it, it just turns into a great time for you and the homies. It's it's like the 300 Blackout H&R handy rifle that we did years ago where it's a single shot. It's like, why would you want that? Put a silencer on it. It's the most fun you're going to have out of all your guns. And now you have this. Because not only the novelty of it folds up in this little package like my Transformer. Shout out to my son, Aiden. He got, I had this as a kid, and it was stolen. And so my son, three or four years ago, went on eBay and bought me this for Christmas. Where did you steal it from? Well, another kid that had it that had more money than me. So, so reminds me of this. I love it. Um, But now with a silence, you talk about practical. Like, the shooting competitions after you go shoot with the homies and you sit down, you put the silencer on there. Okay, who can hit the can at 50 yards with this? Everybody put in five bucks. Good times all around. That's what you're going to remember about your day of shooting, honestly, in my opinion. So, uh, enough of that. Trailblazer Arms, how'd this happen? What's going on? So, it's been a long journey, Kevin. Um, I guess going on 12 years for me, uh, transitioning from building houses to building guns. And it all started with this little lifeguard pistol where in a moment of inspiration, I was in a hotel room. I think I was in New Jersey. <laughs> I've been was, inspired in those times too. <laughs> <laughs> I had my, my hotel key card and I'm like, that's the perfect size. It's the same size as a credit card. Um, I'm going to make a gun that is that profile. Well, I mean, why do you think that? Like I, I, I see my hotel key all the time. I don't ever think that. Like, you well, never think gun? Yeah, I think guns all the time. I wasn't ever like, that's perfect size. I, I always think, why why can't I just like look at the door and it knows it's me and it opens? I don't <laughs> I'm not like, oh, the key's annoying to me because I, I leave it alone all the time, you know, or in the room and I got to go get another one. I think I had some input for sure. I was thinking about guns, but I was thinking about kind of the smallest package that I could make a single shot gun and the credit card seemed like a good thing. It okay, also so you're always you're already thinking about the, the small. You you had an idea. It was actually a response to somebody else's idea of a big, you know, something probably four times bigger than this machine gun, disguised as a first aid kit, a machine gun, and this is this is in 2010, so it's not ever going to be transferable. So it's it's not going to be legal. It's not going to be commercially available. So it seemed a little absurd. It was entertaining, but so it seemed re- a little absurd. red jacket arms doing like weird shit. It, it was. Yeah. yeah. And <coughs> it's entertaining, but I thought. Yeah, it makes for good TV, but sure. not practical. I, I instantly thought, what's the opposite of that? What would be the smallest possible gun that would still have some utility? And I, I like to say similar to a pocket knife. Yeah. If I was going to a knife fight, I'd take a big knife. But on my daily, in my daily travels, I don't plan on getting in a knife fight, so I just carry a pocket knife, a folding knife, open boxes, whatever. I know, yeah, I know I'm going to open boxes and letters. So, yeah. yeah, so to me, the life card is that version of, it's a pocket knife that's a gun. Dude, and I love it. You know, I call it like the fix a utility rifle. Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea, if you don't have it with you, you don't have it. It totally makes sense. And, I mean, I'm with you. I hardly ever carry a gun because it's inconvenient. Um, but this, 
I mean, it's cool because it's small and it's convenient. And then also, um, it's cool. Like, it's cool to show your friends. Like, if you just have, like, uh, like I love the uh, uh, vintage Winchester, for instance. Well, a few of my friends can really appreciate it, but it's just a stupid bolt-action rifle with a wood stock. There's nothing interesting or novel to, to be part of a conversation w- with your friends. It's just you show them the one time, okay, that's cool. You got a gun from your granddad. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. Um, so, for me, this is not... It's not the most practical gun. It's not the best gun for any particular situation, for self-defense, for target shooting, for hunting. But it is one of the smallest, if not the smallest. The gun fits in an Altoids tin with room to spare. You can put some other stuff in there, some $100 bills or whatever you want to put in there. Well, it was weird when you said that to me the first time. But will you? But then when you just... Un- described why you said it fits in Altoids because I'm like, I don't care in Altoids, Dan. I don't care. Uh, but then when you explained why you said that, it was cool. Yeah, so that was the other input really for the design. I had read this online article about survival kits and I think it was Field and Stream, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. I was reading all the comments. I read the article. Especially the time frame you're talking about. Like, you know, I'm old enough to, you and I are the same age, so was around then. That was a huge thing in the industry. It was maybe pre- the zombie fad, but the, the survival was. stuff was so big back then. Right. So they were doing this, basically a competition of building survival kits and, you know, they're different uses, but essentially something you'd take out into the woods with you and you'd have what you need to survive for three days or whatever. Yeah. And I read through the whole thing. I was, I was completely immersed in this article. And then in one of the comments, somebody said, if only someone would make a gun, that would fit in this Altoids tin. And it that was my light That's bulb. That's so awesome. I mean, isn't it interesting, like, your moments of inspiration? I, I mean, and it can be. And it's like, okay... Well, that's a stupid article, but then it's a really cool article, too, if you think about it. It's kind of perspective. It's like, it would be interesting to me, even today, because, okay, what are people thinking that they need that'll go into this little tin? And, you know, it, it's, it's like you can get inspiration input that's valuable from everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so that was yours. So it's an article about do a survival kit that'll fit into an Altoid skin. Yeah, so we, we found out quickly that that's not a big slice of the gun buying market, survival <laughs> guns. So we, we kind of steered away from that. My original gun actually had a pocket knife blade and a fire starter built into the gun. So see, it was see, this. I think, I think that's awesome, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not really, I don't know for me, and I'm probably not your average customer, but I'm not, well, I don't know. Like now after I just shot that dude that tried to rob me, um, but I'm not buying it necessarily for survival, but it is fun. And like the, our industry, we went, we've gone through so many years of everybody's got to be, you know, a badass, and you got to be so serious and shooting is fun. And when you can shoot 22s are the most fun and you young people need to step your game up thinking 22, like nobody young. Well, you're not even young anymore, so I can't point at you. Not James, not. no one your age or Thomas's age, you guys are too cool for 22. You're idiots. 22 is the most fun, and the only way to make it better is to put a silencer on it. It's like, you know, everybody wants to get with the prom queen, but what if she were twins? That <laughs> That's putting the silencer on here. It is so fun. I mean, it's such a great time. And because, and you know, I didn't know much a, a, a about you before Ron came to work with you and... You know, so, so I don't really go into gun stores and all very much anymore. 
but the the build quality and and I'm super into ergonomics now, you know, with the fix and stuff. And as ridiculous as this sounds, looking at this ergonomically, when you open this gun up, oh my lord! Like the ergonomics are great. So we matched the grip angle of the 1911 just because we could. My man, because um, it's right. But it's right. two world wars. It's right. Since I'm a lefty, <laughs> two world wars. Since I'm a lefty, we made the gun completely ambi. Um, I, that's, oh lord! I'm passionate. Does about it take that. Glock mags? <laughs> it doesn't. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're right. All the features are ambi. So you, you have this lever. So it. Uh, oh, here I am. You have this lever deploys the grip, and so then here and I mean everything ergonomically is good. This is how you cock the gun, and then you shoot. It's great, and, but the gun feels correct. You know, us hanging out, you know, having a competition yesterday, trying to shoot, um, uh, what like a monster can or something, right? A beer <laughs> can, probably, but we probably can't say that. But. Uh, this was so much fun. And we went through a couple boxes of ammo, like just hanging out, competing with each other, having a good time, which is m much more memorable than us going and even shooting like the fixed rifle. It's like this 22s are so fun. That was a ball. I mean, four of us sitting out there in the dark, giggling our heads <laughs> off. Um, now, granted, none of us hit the can, but. Well, no sights, no sights. We got we, we got to work on that. I, th I, I think we have room to. Mm. We sight crap on this. out of that can, though. Woo. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. We were all over the, it. The grass, it looks like pigs have been rooting out there, and <laughs> except the one little island about this big where the, the can was sitting. But, you know, it probably, I mean, we should have been responsible and put it closer, but th how fun would that be? Like, right. Got to make it impossible. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right, so y you Altoid 10, and then what happens? Um. You mean what happens getting it out of the Altoid scene? No, what happens with you and the company? Like, you, okay, you have this concept, you draw it out, you make some prototypes. So a lot of that is still covered under non-disclosures, but mm. I'll give you, without giving names, I'll give you kind of a synopsis. Um, so 2010, I come up with the idea, and I floated it to a few people in my family, a few people in the industry. I wasn't connected in the industry. I was a, a home builder, and... I got some encouragement enough to continue with the design. I paid somebody, I sat with them, and they put it into CAD. And ultimately, we built one prototype probably a year after I'd come up with the idea. And I reached out to a couple of companies in the industry, smaller manufacturers that made things that were maybe in the same caliber, we'll say. Gun companies. Gun companies. And I got an invitation to SHOT Show 2012 um, they didn't pay for me to go, but they said, come and we'll give you a badge and show us what you got. And I thought, you know, here I am. I'm going to make a deal with these guys here at SHOT Show. Mm -hmm. And almost, but it didn't work out. And over the next three, four years, I worked with several gun companies, well-known names you would know, mm -hmm. names I've told you mm -hmm. off the podcast. And just... One thing after another, we built lots of prototypes. We did design changes. We talked about volumes and royalties and all that stuff. And I really thought that this was it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've made it. And in the end, they all backed out. They all said, we can't do it or we can't pay you enough or whatever was the reason. And after probably five years of that, of meeting with gun company CEOs and trying to make a deal, 
I concluded that I had to do this on my own. I had to start a gun company, figure out manufacturing, figure yeah. out distribution, sales, and that's what we did. Yeah. Well, I mean, we share a similar story. Um, and I can see it, and I can see with this, because my first question to you was like, you know, what kills the deal? And Christine's are what kill the deal. <laughs> so, no offense, Christine's awesome and perfect, but also general counsel, so a huge pain in the ass. Um, and, and that is a, I mean, you, you know, everything that is not known, so it's basically innovation is scary to everyone that's supposed to protect you, and, you know, your liabilities. I think for me, risk. I I was coming from the outside. I didn't have general counsel, and so it was just blazing a new trail. Yeah, and it, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but I, I could get. I mean, I, I mean, I can understand. Like, if I if this didn't exist, and I told Christine we were going to do this, the conversations that we would have, whoo, it get heated. So, so I can understand. I, I mean. I don't like it, but you know, I think it's, you know, one, one part of who I am and our company is, is, you know, I'm a little more open to risk than the average general counsel. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can general counsel or HR or finance yourself to death. Um, but I mean, that's just part of innovation. You're taking risk, you're doing new things. So yeah, you don't know what the hell's going to happen because no one's ever done it. You know, so if it were if it were easy, Marty Daniel would do it, and that's what we would call this as the Daniel Defense, you know, pocket guard thing. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't. Mm. So speaking of risk, I you know I've been married to my wife for thirty years, oh, and she she has, is a delight. She is. Um, she's gone through it all with me, but I self identify as a risk taker, and and so that's proven out over the over the last 30 years to not be great in a lot of situations um but i you know ron knows in my former career building houses i thought you know why can't we build houses on the side of the mountain and put them on steel piers steel columns and build them 35 40 feet off the ground because the ground is so sloped you know, why can't we do that? Yeah, you're you're in Asheville, right? Asheville, so, North Carolina. So in the mountains. So, and, and also, you want that view. It That's really right. want the view. Now uh, we're talking what most people would call a cliff, not really like a, a slope. I guess more of like a cliff. Yeah, it's not far from my old farm in Georgia. My right. place was on top of the mountain for a reason because you get that view. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you. So yeah. I mean, I think that's always. That's how I challenge. Christine and the engineers a lot at my place. And, you know, it's, you got to keep the engineers honest too, because, and we've got a great culture for that at my company, but my question when I want to do something, whether it's marketing, you know, whether it's, you know, Thomas and marketing or it's Christine and general counsel or it's the engineers. Well, why can't we do it? You explain to me why we can't do it. Cause it's going to be hard because you don't know. Cause it's going to be difficult. Well, well, let's try it, and if we break it, then let's figure out why we broke it and keep going. I mean, I, th I think that, you know, that's, to me, like I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur and an innovator, and I think that's the reason why. It's like we have to do things that haven't been done before, and so, yeah, you can put it in your computer, and we can get an idea of what's going to happen, but we really don't know until we try. And there are risks with everything, and I'm fond to say, 
if this was easy, everybody would do it. And that's not what I want. I don't yeah. want to do what everybody else does. And I don't want to do the easy thing. And yeah, I, I agree. It That comes with its challenges. Uh, thankfully, my wife has stayed married to me with that, yeah. um, with that approach. But I think it's going to pay off in the end. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I can't see how it doesn't honestly it's like it's fun i mean you know it's always the challenge it's it's like i said last night the dumbest person i've ever known had a great idea every couple years and it would shock me because they were fucking idiot but then they would say something i was like oh my god that's a great idea but you got to be willing to risk and you got to be willing to put the work in and you know as i tell my kids like trying as they're transitioning into adulthood it's like pick for me, at least, who I am, it, it's like you have to have something you're passionate about because everything's going to suck sometimes and everything's going to be hard and you're going to fail at sometimes. So be confident enough to get through that. But if you're passionate about it, you'll push through it because it's easy if all you want is a life. You know, like I want to live. If all you want is a life and to be able to afford a decent house and a car and clothes for your kids and all. So, like, you can't even starve to death in America. It's ridiculous. So it makes us soft, but it's like, Choose something that you love because when things suck, you won't realize how bad it sucks and you'll push through rather than skipping from one job or one person to another or, or whatever the situation is. You said something last night that resonated with me so much um, that that all you think about is work. And and I get that. And it's because I'm passionate now about what I do. It's not yeah. it's not always been the case for me. No. I did what I had to do in the past. But now I've found what drives me, and it yeah. is 24-7. I'm always thinking when I left your house last night, I was already designing on a new gun yeah. in, my, in my head. Yeah, it, you can't I help it. I love it. I can't help it, and I love it. That's right. And I would tell any person, young or old, it sounds almost cliche, but you have to find your passion. That will make your your life will... It'll just be different. It, it, yes. I, I'll, I'll say a couple of things to that from my perspective. You're right. If I were had a government job, you know, pushing paper, doing something, I would do the same thing, obsess all day, but it would be about something other than my job. Sure. And, you know, so I think after, you know, this is my 29th year in the industry and, and owning a business and for most of that time, I felt like everyone was like that internally, but I don't think that they are. I think it's a, whatever the percentage is, 10, 30% of us are that way. But I also think that, you know, th there's the, then the difference is like your willingness to accept risk. And most people are very scared. Like I'm a reasonably smart guy, but half of my company, those people are smarter than me. It's like, what makes me the boss? And what makes me continually successful? Do I just really get lucky at picking projects all the time? No, it's because I'm obsessed. And I've talked about it on here before. You know, in America, we say 10,000 hours makes you an expert. In Japan, 40,000 hours. I have over 90,000 hours doing my job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it's all I do every day is think about it because I love it. So there's only been two, two years out of 29 where I felt like I had a job. And that was my second year after Remington bought my company, and it was my second year at SIG. They sucked. Um, because everyone else is more concerned about keeping their job than, 
you know, doing something awesome. And like, I just want to do something awesome. And yeah, I'm lucky. Like I'm fortunate. Like I don't, I don't have to go to work every day, but I still wake up like, you know, when I was 21, 22 years old, I cannot wait to get the next thing done. Like I'm so excited. We're working on a new project now and I annoy the hell out of the engineers. Like I, I can't wait to get the thing done. And it's the same feeling that I had six years old when I saw Linda Carter, Wonder Woman on TV and saw that cleavage. I got to have that. That's my thing. I want that. And been passionate about boobies ever since. And it's the same thing with guns. Like when we're working on a project, I cannot wait. The next thing's always the greatest thing. And, you know, so now I get it. It's like my passion and my willingness to risk because it feels that high feels so good to me that I will risk everything on the next thing. And most people don't have that. Yeah. There's a saying that's uh, something to the effect of if you work really hard at something that you don't care about, that's stress. And if you work really hard about something you love, that's passion. And I, all three of us, yeah. I know for a fact, this industry that we're in, this is our passion. This is all we care about. This is all we think about. Yeah. Five. All, all six of us. You know, I. this has also been a journey for me over the last five years because there was this expectation when I started my company. Okay, so first I'm labeled entrepreneur. Then I have to be the CEO. Well, I'm <laughs> the, the worst job the ever. Least, the least comfortable in anything I've ever done being called the CEO. I'm terrible at it. I'm all over the place. What I really want to do is stand in front of my computer or turn screws on my latest project, go out and shoot it. And so I can say it's been a real blessing to have support in our business to have people that are have different strengths, people that are gifted in leading a company. Well, you, are, you recognizing that as the man that created it, I think is also pretty rare, you know, because I like to think of myself that way. Like you go to my company or we talk like I do. I am passionate about marketing and I'm passionate about innovation. The rest of the stuff I'm not good at. And so I give up a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Because I want to accomplish something that like I can't do on my own, and I can't do with five people or ten people. I have to have this big team. And so, like you come in the office yesterday, you know, there's four women that are in those front offices that run my life and run that company because their attention to detail, their structure, their focus on their particular job is just very different than I am. And that trust level and comfort level with them then allows me to do all of the stuff that I'm trying, you know, cause I need to also stay inspired. Like does the podcast make sense for us? I'm not sure. You know, marketing is such bullshit. You can't ever really quantify it, but I enjoy it and I learn a ton. And I think sharing like our story from my perspective is important long-term for the company. Um, but you know, they allow me to do these things that are creative because what is important is that I stay passionate about the business and I stay involved. Because if all we did was mass produce honey badgers, and that's all we did, and there was no use for 3D printing, there was no use for a ton of design engineers, there's no real new way to market it. It's just a thing to me. The company's just a thing. Like, I, I get a great salary, and I, I couldn't be happier, and I have, you know, financially, I don't need for anything, and my focus is then on the future of the company, you know, what's the thing to do? And, and, you know, when I think about that, we're looking at like eight, six right now, was there, you know, what's the reason for, for me to do eight, six? There's not, 
I mean, there's just not. I can't tax ammo, and I've thought about it for two years. How can I tax ammo? You know, companies to, to build guns in it, companies to load it. You just can't for it to be successful. And so I have the greatest engineer in our entire industry alive today, in my opinion. And that asshole is obsessed with this. From everything we learned from 300 Blackout till now, and we did the first concept for 8.6 10 or 12 years ago when we did 300 Blackout. And he, we're in a position now where he became interested in that again a few years ago, and he has been obsessed with it. And it's all he does to the, fact, to the point where he's no longer in charge of engineering, and he is happy about that. Because he just started staying at home and working on this thing and fast twist and all this. And he got into something. And, and my, you know, and I feel like it's, it's my job, whether it's, you know, Thomas, who's a very creative guy and I think is, is integral in the future of our company and what we're doing. Ethan with engineering is now. And it's like that fucking asshole. He's a terrible communicator. He's an asshole, but he's brilliant. And we work great together. And so my job is to figure out how to make that make sense for our company. And so there's, you know, we can sell products and make money. Or I want to own this company until I'm sick of working or too old to do it. And so there's also brand equity and building a brand, you know. And, and how do we do that? Like if I'm going to spend a million dollars a year on marketing, I'm not buying magazine ads. Shout out to Field Ethos. You guys are cool. I buy your ads because I love what you're doing. And they let us do whatever ads we want. Yeah, you got the shirt on, my man. But, you know, that is, listen, this is the homies that have that place, but I love the culture they're creating and the way they're representing hunting and, our, you know, and, and connecting it with our industry. So I support them. They're doing a printed magazine, which, hey, it was nice. On the last flight to Africa, Wi-Fi goes out for a few hours or the, um, the thing goes down where I can't watch movies and all. Had that filled ethos magazine, so I read some articles. Shout out to Pat Hemingway, good article. And so that's supporting these guys. And I think it's my job when we talk about as a CEO, there's a, is that, is that Thomas? What are you doing? Turn, turn your phone off, Thomas. Why are you always blaming me? What's me? I hate when you talk back. You straight blame me (laughs) every time. Because it 90% of the time is you. It's it's like an educated guess. I think Thomas was just calling Aaron. He was. Um, I can't talk right now, Thomas. <laughs> Sorry, my, my son is asking me some ridiculous questions. So would you say that Ethan now, what's driving him is passion for that project? He's kind of shares your enthusiasm for it? Um, I love dog and Ethan because I also love Ethan more than most people on this planet. And we, you know, we've been together a long time, so I can talk shit. Uh I let Ethan do what he wants for several reasons. Because otherwise, I would have to just strangle him. Or he would make my life difficult because he's he, he won't listen. And he lives a pirate life himself. And he's so brilliant at what he does. And he thinks differently than the average mechanical engineer. And he's not, the, he's not even the smartest engineer we have but he is the best and he thinks the most creatively. And I think that will always be the case. And we've worked together now for almost 15 years. Um, but I have faith and confidence in him. Do and you do aptitude tests at Q? Cause I feel like you've referred to all your employees now with a hierarchy of who's the smartest, where they, where <laughs> they land. And it kind of makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's, it's smart. 
there there might be two dumbasses at our place out of 50. <laughs> but um, everybody, you know, is kind of... No it, names. I mean, I do believe everybody's smarter than me in some way at our company. But sure. overall, there's a... I mean, you spend you spend a few days there and you'll see it. And, and I love it because it challenges me. But I have faith in Ethan. And Ethan and I, over time, when we met, we had sort of common goals. Um, and that has kind of continued. And it, it, it's kind of like the destination. You know, Ethan and I know what we want to be. We, to, to just survive without, without slitting our wrists. Like, we got we to gotta innovate. We got to do something cool, and it has to be something that's useful. It doesn't have to be for the military or for the police, or or, or fun or for hunting, but it has to serve a purpose. Do something that's not available out there, and we have to do it better than anyone. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. Kevin. We 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 have thrown around the word innovation, innovate, and we hear it in our industry a lot, and. Everybody claims it. Oftentimes it means a different color. And I've struggled with defining innovation to people in my company, um, ownership. But I think we know in our heart what it is, whether it meets the bar, you know, or not. And so what does innovation mean to you? To me, it, it doesn't have to be an entire gun. It doesn't have to be. It can be a finish. It can be anything that, in my mind, that improves an existing um, experience or product that is noticeable and desirable by a novice. And so you really have to do something that makes a difference. Um, You know, and and in some ways, fast twist, how does that make a difference? That's a hard one to explain. So so how do do I explain that? We do all the typical... Testing, we do the gel test, high speed we show that. But then me and Thomas, we go to Africa and kill animals that can kill you that weigh two thousand pounds with a five pound gun with a ten inch barrel. And then we do it with subsonic. And a twenty round mag. <laughs> we you know, so uh it it's just really making a difference. It, it, and sometimes it's very difficult to explain. Like the honey badger was a real passion for us. And it didn't make sense at the beginning. You know, the honey badger wasn't available commercially for 10, 10 or 12 years. And But when you pick up the honey badger next to another AR that's that size, and that thing is 20% lighter, like that little bit makes a huge difference. Is the honey badger innovation? No. Is it? In a, yes, it is. It weighs much lighter. And that's you have to take the weight out of the entire gun. It, it fit into a certain package that was useful for guys and was a certain weight, and it gave them a capability they didn't have. Like, it replaced an MP5 SD, so, you know, we end up 30% lighter than an MP5, and we can shoot five times farther, and, you know, it, it's five times more lethal. That is an innovation. But it's also an AR-15 that's 300 Whisper that existed for years. So what's the innovation that has made that one of the most well-known guns in the entire world? Even if you don't speak English and you're not an American, you know, Call of Duty, shout out, helped out a lot. Thank you. But then it, it only sustained, you know, has sustainment because it is very useful and it's, a, it's practical. Like I use the gun all the time. It is better than everything else out there is the reason I, I use the gun. And I think the same thing with the fix. 
the fix is a bolt action rifle. Big deal. Why is it? Why is it so popular? Why is it so much better? Why is it so much more useful? So sometimes you're right. Like innovation is hard. Like everybody wants to do like a new gun, like you've done. Like that's cool, but that's difficult. I think that for me, innovation equals risk. So, and by that, what I mean is you're taking a risk. You've taken lots of risks to yeah. say, I'm going to put this out. I'm not going to ask the marketplace if this is what they want. This is what I want. This is what I believe is good or better or best. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to take the risk. And I believe in myself. I believe in my yeah. ideas. And I'm going to do it. it. It is easy to be anonymous on the internet and talk shit while you're at your job selling insurance. For sure. I agree. That's... You get an opinion equal to mine on the internet. But in reality, nobody gives a shit what you're typing. But for me to spend a million, two million, three million dollars, risk something to do something because that's badass and I would buy it. The mini fix, best example I have currently, well, like when I wanted to do the mini fix, Ethan kind of got it right away because we had been down that H&R single shot 300 blackout route. And, you know, so Ethan and I agree on these things. All the other engineers are like, who the hell is going to buy that? A $3,000, 300 blackout that's a bolt gun? It's stupid. It's like, no, it's going to be the most fun gun you're going to own. And that's what it is like this. It's like there's no one that – I mean, look, we sent um, uh, Demolition Ranch. They invited us down to do a video on 8.6, new cartridge. And they treated us so great in – if you had to buy an ad or something on there, I couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford it. They invited us down and did a video. We get what? In less than two weeks, two million views on it. It's great for a company. Oh, it's more than that. So we send them a mini fix as a thank you. And it's just, they all, they like to shoot and it's a cool gun. And you can't do product placement with them without paying a fortune. And they send us a message, text me. This gun is incredible. It is the most fun gun we own. We love it. Two days later, we're doing a new video, and we're using the mini fix in the entire thing. Like, I'm not paying them to do that. I just sent them a gun, and there were no strings attached. And the gun was a thank you for being so cool to us. And, you know, he's got a room full of guns, and, and that was a great example. So that's where, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to risk. But then it's also, you know, I got 90,000 hours, so you start to sort out. I make less mistakes than I used to picking products. Sure. Yeah, but to me, if I will spend my money on it, and it's a gun because I'm very spoiled with guns, then I believe it's a good product and others are going to want it. I, I've wrestled with that um, at my age and you know, as I've progressed in life that I'm not the typical consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not the typical consumer. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have to be careful. I have to ask other people. But yeah. when, you, when you go to SHOT Show or you go to NRA or whatever and you show off a 3D-printed that that's the way I usually do it. I yeah. show off a 3D printed model. Me as well. Um, and you get a quite a bit of validation right away. If if everybody says, "Whoa, what is that? What is that?" You're like, "I think I'm onto something." Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, that is, you start to recognize that over time, and and also surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth which is hard absolutely another shout out to thomas he's one of the few at the company that doesn't hold back he's wrong sometimes but overall it's a nice reality check 
And you've got to know the difference between those folks that are telling you the truth and just saying, hey, honestly, I don't think it's going to do well. And then there are just haters out there that yeah. are just not going to support you no matter what you do. And they're just going to say, oh, it's different. So I don't understand it. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, there's always that. And what I've learned over time is, you know, you can grow up and be a SIG or a, you know, traditional gun company does traditional marketing and stay out of the fray and not put yourself out there and spend millions of dollars on print and television ads and, and try to, you know, win hearts and minds and Bass Pro Shop like that, you know, or you just come out and you, you say what's on your mind. Cause I can tell you when we were doing the 320 at SIG and we were going to launch that, I'm in the marketing meeting and, uh, there's a guy in charge of my, and I like him, so I'm not going to call him out right now. He's not in charge of marketing at SIG anymore. But he, he was there, and he was just doing the traditional role, which maybe is why he's not in charge of marketing anymore. But he was like, hey, you know, we're SIG, and we're the greatest gun company ever. And I love SIG, and I also loved Remington, and I wanted to help build Remington back up to the greatest American gun company. And I loved SIG. I believed in what they were doing for the most part. And they did some, like, dumb stuff, in my opinion, that I didn't like, um, like that XI or whatever. But um, overall, it's... It's like, why are we beating around the bush all the time? Because I find even with the ladies, like, just be direct. Like, they, like, my kids and women see through all the bullshit. So it's like I've found that I'm either just not good at it or it's just easier for me just to say what's on my mind because they're, they're going to know you're lying. But they were like, okay, so the way we're going to market this 320 is we're SIG and we're awesome and so that's why you're going to buy our gun. I was like, that is so stupid. He's like, what's well, the best striker gun out there? And I was like, in the meeting, I'm like, is it? Absolutely. And it's not a very technical individual. Can you explain to me what that expression, beating around the bush, when you're referring to ladies, what's that mean? Exactly what you think it means. <laughs> what does he think it means? There's, there, there's no carpet. It's all edit. hardwood floors. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I don't do that. So you just straight in there. and But in this meeting, I'm like, well... He's like, yeah, it's, it's the best striker I've ever developed. And I was like, is it? Is it better than a Glock? Absolutely. Tell me how it's better than a Glock. Like, tell I'm all all ears. And he looks over at some of the engineers in the room and is like, is it better than a Glock? And my favorite inter- engineer in our industry that I talk shit about all the time that I won't mention currently who works for us doing 8.6, he, he's in the meeting. <laughs> and he was part of this gun. And, you know, but they put parameters on them there on what they can do. And the gun was not what Ethan wanted to do. But in the parameters they gave, he did his portion of the gun. And Ethan, Ethan's sitting back and he goes. And oh, he's wow. like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, ask me how it's better. He's like, the grip angle's better. It takes steel magazines. And so then I was like, well, how's it worse? He's like, the bore axis is way too fucking high. You know, and it should... You know, it's cocking on close, cocking on open. Or he goes through, like, all these things and totally loses the marketing guy right away. And it was like, my man, here's your goal. Like, your sales goal is 10% of Glock sales. That's your goal. All we got to do is do an ad that says, yo, Glock, you know, you weren't the first, but you do it the best. Thanks for getting us this far. We fixed the grip angle and put a steel mag in there, and that's way better than what you're doing. Absolutely not. We do not talk about other gun companies and do all this. And I was like, man, I just told you how to meet your sales goal. If you want another way, but that's the way you market. Like, why are we going to talk shit? Like, we can't say that it's better than a Glock because you're going to sound like a fucking idiot. 
But these two things are better. Right. Like well, that's enough. That's enough to sell ten percent. And but yeah, you can't do it. It's like if you want to make the best gun, then let the engineers make the best gun. But you know. And often when you put in timelines and budgets and all of these, you know, barriers for the engineers to do what they really want to do, that's when you come out with products that aren't quite what they should be. It's cool. Well, well okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm all excited now because I love this kind of shit. So y- you get to hear, what the hell is Ron Dan doing over here? Yeah, so um, I cannot overstate how excited we are to have Ron Dan on board. And I got to tell a little story. I could tell stories all day about Ron Dan. But Ron called me on my cell phone the day our press release dropped. And it wasn't supposed to drop. It, it it got leaked back in 2017. We had not shipped the first gun. and the, the first one of these. The first lifeguard. We had not shipped it yet. We were probably a month away from shipping the first gun. And I floated a press release to a distributor because we wanted to tell them, you know, we're on this. We're, we're paying attention. We're going to promote this so that you're going to do well with this. And so Ron got it on some wire. And oh, my, yeah, he is. He's deep. Balls deep in the industry. My my cell phone was stuff. listed because back in the day, I was I was Trailblazer Firearms. I was the only person that worked there, and so Ron calls me on my cell phone, probably July August 2017, and he said I want to buy this gun, and he was working at Chattanooga as a buyer, and I'm like I didn't visionary, know, yeah I didn't know what I was doing at this time. I don't know if I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> But I said, Ron, I would love to sell these to you. I'm really flattered that you called, that you want to buy them. But I've made an exclusive deal with another distributor. And I'm not saying that's the right thing, but it is what I said I would do. And I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to do that. And he respected that. And we agreed that we'd just stay in touch. So we met in person, I think, SHOT Show 2018. And I had trouble finding him because I'd didn't know what he looked like i was gonna say what he blended (laughs) he he didn't know i had a beard (laughs) yeah (laughs) i didn't know he was bald i think that was it yeah Um, i I get that a lot but over the years over these last five years we have stayed in touch i've followed him in his journeys you know working at different places and he was just somebody that you would refer to as a friend and i was honored to consider him a friend back in the day and i think i showed him my 3D printed uh, new rifle, probably Shot Show 2018, 2019, something like that. And at the time, he was working for Vertex, and I said, you know, I'd love to. I think this will fit in a Vertex in a gamut 2.0, and I'd love to try it. And he's like, I'll send what you. What is what is that? That's a backpack. You you okay? This is the backpack. There, there's I a have. bunch of them at the office. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. said, I'll send you some samples, you know, and he did that. And, you know, we gave them to all the guys and we tried it with the 3D printed models and all that. And he's like, you know, keep in touch. And over the so over the years, that's kind of been the, the flavor of it. And then last year, Joy and I went out and spent a weekend with him out in Bozeman. And it was really just to pick his brain, see him where he lived and go have dinner. And he was just so encouraging in this project. He said, I believe in you. I believe in this project. And then we ran into each other uh, this spring at NRA in Houston. And at one point, I really was just making a joke because I wasn't looking to hire anybody. And I said to 
somebody else, but in Ron's presence, I said, if I had somebody like Ron Dan, I wouldn't need sales reps. And, you know, I was making a joke. Wouldn't that be nice? I was making a joke. And so he texts me the next day and he's like, you know, if you ever want to have that conversation, just, just let me know. I mean, I picked up the phone right then. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, man, I would love to work together. And so, I mean, really pretty fast, I think over three or four weeks, we, we, we brought you out and we put it together and Ron has just, he's just become part of the family, part of the team. And he has hit the ground running and I couldn't be happier to have him on board. And really he's taken so much pressure off of me so that I can do what I love. Well, doing what? So my role at the company is president at the company. It's my official title, but really it's Aaron, like he said, what he wants to do is wrench on prototypes and be in front of his computer designing new guns, focusing on um, everything that he's passionate about and not and not everything that needs to be done for a company is fun or exciting. And so that's, you know, between myself, Aaron, and then um, there's, you know, one other guy. Uh, well, everyone at the company carries a lot of weight because it's a fairly small company. Yeah, small companies, that's but, always the deal. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a, you know, there's, everyone's carrying, you know, a lot of weight at the company. And there's a couple of us that are taking, I think a big chunk of what Aaron was doing before off this plate. And, uh, and that's, that's really what our focus is. So, um, I've been fortunate to get a chance to work with, um, Spencer, um, who's our director of sales and marketing. And we've been really focusing on the sales and marketing aspect at first, but eventually our plan is to just keep focusing on the company and growing it. Yeah. I mean, a a company, there's just, lots of things that you got to move forward and it's hard to do it all at once. And so, yeah, I mean, I understand my role at the company too. Like what I want to be doing is with the engineers, asking them questions, pushing them and making all the, you know, the decisions and the minutia of the the product path. And then I want to be in marketing doing stuff that's fun and creative and explains our product or separates us in, in that way. And I care nothing about, the other parts, but it's all so important, you know, like QC is, is another part. Like right now we're trying to, to push that forward and get ahead because it's so important. Like what I want is the most innovative and greatest quality gun company in the history of the world. You know, it's like big goal and well, okay, how do we do that? You know, but at the end of the day, people touching stuff, you got to have good vendors. You got to be making good parts in house. It's all got to go together. She, like do all the things. And so QC, it's not a sexy part of the company internally, but it is vital to what we're trying to do. So QC is just as important as the marketing team, as the engineers, because, you know, you can design the greatest thing in the world. If you have shit parts and you don't have anybody doing the quality control, you're going to have a shit product. Nobody's going to care. It's like having a great idea. That's wonderful. But how do you execute and ship it? That's a whole other thing. If I could go back to... um to Ron for just a second and I'll try not to get emotional, but when we interviewed Ron and my business partners and I, we interviewed Ron and they were somewhat incredulous. You know, why do you want to come here? Why do you want to come work for little old trailblazer? And, um, what I heard him say, I'm not saying this is what he said, but what I heard him say, um, two part answer. One of the things that he said was, I want to help, Aaron enjoys dreams come true. And that's awesome. That, I mean, that was super meaningful to me. Yeah. 
And he's I probably a sales guy. He's yeah, probably, he probably is a sales but guy. But I, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that's great to have. Get, I mean, because it's what you really do as a leader. You need to get everybody on the same team. I mean, and it doesn't matter in the end if it's everyone's exact dream. Because, like, what I wanted when I started Q isn't what I want exactly right now. It ain't going to be exactly right. what I want in five years. But if we all have sort of the common goal of we're going to go there, mm-hmm. you know, you got to have people that are flexible and open-minded but also have, you know, perseverance to push through all the bullshit and take you to that place. And Ethan, like you think about an Ethan supporting you through everything. And I know, like, I know that's a difficult relationship at times. And I I don't know even from what you've said, but I just know Ethan personally. And I know that that probably does have some, you know, difficulties that come up from time to time. It's always going to be difficult at times if it's correct, I think, because you're going to have, you're going to push each other. And that's not always comfortable. Timing's not always good. And you don't always agree. But if you trust someone, yeah, I mean, what, what do you got, but, Thomas? So, um, coming from marketing at Q, um, a lot of the times it's easy for marketing because our guns kind of sell themselves. It's, it's simple. And what I see here is that these are the types of things that honestly sell themselves. So I'm assuming marketing isn't like crazy difficult in, at Trailblazers. Th- there's been very, I don't want to say very little marketing, but relatively speaking, there hasn't been a whole lot of marketing. Fortunately. You're exactly right. They has been able to sell itself a fair amount. But if we want to get to where we're 10 times the size that we are now, we are going to have to start marketing and just letting more people know. And, uh, you know, when I told Kevin, hey, I'm going to Trailblazer Firearms, most people, it it was on the Argentina trip that I announced that I was going there. And uh, everyone was like, we don't even know what that is. And these are all people from the gun industry. So there's still a lot of market awareness that we have to do. But you're right. Once people see it, they kind of get it right away. Well, on a bigger scale, I mean, we're also involved in that now. It is great. But I think where where you're great in marketing is, yeah, you can come up with a product that markets itself, that people are going to want to have in their blogs, they are going to want to talk about, they want to show their friends. So in the end, you're kind of in charge of marketing. And that's the way I think it, it our co- so you guys just gonna white call it up all day, huh? <laughs> Get, go ahead. I got I got you a little twelve pack in there. Go go bananas. Um, so you know that that part of marketing is, is easy. But even for us, they're so like just about everybody in guns knows the honey badger, but maybe a quarter, a third, half the gun stores have heard of Q. In some ways, well, that's a huge failure, maybe. But no, we have like a huge back order. That's a right. huge opportunity. So now, you know, m- my job is always to make work and our culture fun and everyone's job as easy as possible and then challenge you in new ways. Like if you're all you're doing is what everybody else in the industry is doing, you're probably not the guy for the job for me. But now you got to come up with new ways to like how are we going to engage these gun stores because we want to represent ourselves in a different way than others like how are you going to go do that thing and that, that's a challenge for us now too which is exciting as we grow production so we talk to some of these big gun companies and they talk about hey we, we can only sell 240,000 of these a year this is going to be a dud for us and <laughs> then I start thinking I'm Taurus like, Ruger wow. Sig yeah you know and I'm not going to call it and, and some of them have great you know Brett at Taurus, you know, I've got to give him a shout out because he is taking what is a huge company that measures their units in millions and 
he's taken and hundreds of thousands and he's taken it and almost everyone that's involved in that company at a leadership level is an actual gun person and when i think about these gun companies that you know hey you start measuring and hey 240,000 of these a year would be a failure those are the meetings that you walk into and the marketing guys like hey this is better than a glock it's like okay well why it's like they're not really carrying a gun they're not really into it whereas no. a company you know our size you know at, at trailblazer at q Everyone that's involved in a decision-making process loves this stuff. Like Aaron and I, you, you know, we are surrounded by guns. We think about guns. We carry guns every single day from a hunting aspect. You and I are always thinking about ways that we can innovate or, you know, make this easier, make it better, make it more efficient for a hunter. Yeah, I think really about efficiency with hunting now. And there's just so many people at these big corporate companies that are so removed from actually what are we doing that they're just counting widgets and boxes. Yeah, I mean, it's what are you trying to do? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we all have different goals or aspirations. And I've been in so many of those meetings with big companies, either who we partner with or who I worked for. And when you think in those terms, it, it's just I disconnect. So I'm not good for a huge company. But I think for our company, I'm great because it, it's real simple. If we're going to do it, I have to be able to look people in the eye and tell them why it's better and it be true because I'm fucking useless otherwise. Like, what am I going to do? Like, that's the only way I'm good at marketing is when I'm so comfortable, I can say whatever the fuck I want. And, you know, but the rules are we're not going to lie, <laughs> you right. know, and we're not going to cheat and steal. We're not going to lie to consumers. And we're going to take care of them. And we have to justify, you know, I don't want to make millions of guns because it's just a factory. I do want to grow the company and it be, you know, tremendous. But we have to, if we're putting the money we put into innovation and, you know, when you innovate a new gun, like your new nine millimeter, like it's cool. We can all go build ARs and we build the sugar weasel and we put some cue in that gun, but it's not a ground up innovation. And when you do that, it's so expensive. Like, you put so much money in to it. It's it's like you can't just float it all. Like innovation is expensive. It is. It's an uphill battle. And um, I get questioned all the time, you know, why, 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 why? Why are we doing this? Why should we do this? Why does anybody need this? And I'm just in my bones. I feel like this is something that needs to be done. And that's why I'm doing it. I yeah. want something that is great. I want it to be great. And that doesn't mean everybody has to agree with me that it's great. But yeah, you'll I, never get that. You won't get um, absolute you know, agreement. But I think you'll get, we have, we have gotten plenty of people that said this is amazing. Yeah, I always say, like, how much of the gun buying market do I need? You know, like, I don't need yeah, to be, that's right. it, you know, like me taking flack by anonymous kids on Reddit, like, I don't care. Like, all you're doing is helping me. But it's because I need, you know, originally we needed 1% of the gun buying public. I would love to get 5%. You think I give a fuck about 20% or 10% that, like, oh, Kevin's an asshole or their guns are overpriced? Well, get you a better job, dude. Like, I don't, I don't know because I'm not asking the public. Like you said earlier, like in Henry Ford, famous quote, where if you ask people what they wanted when, you know, he did the car and the production line, it's like they would have said a faster horse. It's like, so who cares what they're thinking? Steve Jobs had the same mentality, you know, because I think with the iPhone, right, he only went with AT&T or whoever it was because they were the only provider that wouldn't, that he didn't have to change the phone. 
and that was important to him. So they got the exclusive. I don't remember who it was. No, it was AT and T. So they got an exclusive for like five years or whatever on the iPhone. But and for him, he's like, I'm no better than all of you. This is right. You just, I'm so far advanced. You guys don't know it yet, but trust me. I love that. I love that because it resonates so much for me. And without putting your money where your mouth is, trying to be arrogant, it's. Hey, I think I actually do know. I know what's good. I at least know what's part part of what's good. Every guest we have keeps their elbows on the table. Is and that it's okay? hilarious. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's just it's just a an not me. That I, that's how you fuck you clap up. And you get mocked. Yes, not me. Thomas, I didn't get tattoos till I was forty six years old. I like so those. I I kind of like to those, show them off. You know? yeah, what what'd you get? What what are these? So the first ones I got. Uh, Wait, I'm also over forty six. So hold on one second. The first two I got were these arrows uh, with my two sons, Spencer and Stuart. And I, I won't take my shirt off, but I got thank jo- you. I got joy on my chest. Oh, that's the way to get a late night back rub. And then uh, two years later, I got this with my siblings. I have five siblings. Yeah. So there's six of us. So we got this hexagon for all of us. We all got the same thing. Wait, wait, wait. What? What's? It's different though. It's not just a hexagon. So. Everybody has their own part of the hexagon that's not shaded. I'm the second in the birth order, so this is my older brother. Oh, this is so that's me. That's how you picked it. And everybody, everybody got their own. You know, moves around, so they're the same but different. Cool. And then, uh, right after that, I got our trailblazer. I, I like to call this. Not many people know this, but I like to call this the fight or flight logo. Oh, so you have the Spartan mask and you got some wings. Defense. And you got offense. Um, I, I think the best defense is that good old offense. That's right. So my offense, part of my tattoo is going to be way bigger. Absolutely. But defense is basically me balled up in the corner crying. Are we allowed to say anything about the, uh, the narwhals? Yeah. The narwhals. Heck yeah. Speaking of tattoos, did I tell you? So I was in, in Argentina. Uh, Ron Dan poured us a couple drinks. And before you know it, you know, my creative juices are just flowing all over Ron. And <laughs> oh, I don't like that word image. <laughs> so we uh, so we start talking about stuff. It's like we, we all hunt together and it's just such a great time. And, you know, when I talk about hunting, trying to encourage people to it's just an experience you share with, with your buddies. And, you know, a hunt is just a cool thing because you never know what's going to happen. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's emotional. So it's just it's just a good process for people that you love to get closer and and that sounded really bizarre, but that's the that's the truth from my standpoint. So we're sitting around drinking, and it's like I think we should have a hunting club like a motorcycle club. And it's like we could do the jackets and the whole thing. And so we go through what like this whole hour deal, and it's so I came up. So our mascot is the narwhal, and then it's and you know the nar because I, I didn't even know until my children were little, and I'm reading them books at night. And I thought, like, narwhal was mythical. I didn't know. But they'd learned about it in school. And they are like, no, Dad, that's a real animal. I was like, bullshit. They're teaching you guys bullshit at school. And Is so, that like a unicorn of the sea? Yeah. Exactly. So, so my, You see it in my, elf when he's like, hey, buddy, hope you find your dad. My daughter is, like, eight years old, seven years old. And she, like, Googles it on her iTouch and shows me. I was like, oh, my God. And so it's just it's hilarious. But, yeah. And so then we, ha- we have, like, a greeting for each other. And they have the secret handshake. And ours is through the ice. And, and and so we came up with a whole thing. So so every it's a real gang. So every real member 
so has to get a tattoo that I'm designing. And then we're all going to have, because Jason Vincent, yeah, he's got to get it or he's not in. I he's mean, not, he's, he's in, not in. He voted off the island. He'll get it. He get it. He, he'll get it. He's talking bullshit. And then, uh, so Jason Vincent on that story, take on that trip takes one of the gauchos uh, in Argentina. He's got a single action Ruger Vaquero in 44 mag. No, you know, just a notch rear and a blade front. And takes it and goes and stalks this feral goat. And at 63 yards, caps that thing. We got it on video. Tom's made an awesome video of it. I dropped it. And so it was like, oh, my God. That I mean, these are the reasons you go on a hunt. And the turkey video was another great one. And then some other stuff we can't talk about. But um, why not? So Statute of limitations for Argentinian laws. <laughs> no, because cause Christine and... That little Wolverine. I don't want to say this and then go to the office and hear about it. So uh, bless her heart, she's wonderful. Um, so, so it's like okay. So now, and every charter member is getting a custom single action. They're all going to be the same, except you can do your own grips. So these are kind of the rules. And then, so every charter member, those are the guys that were on the trip. Everybody else. I love this. You can be a prospect like in a motorcycle club and you get a 22 single action. <laughs> so you got a 22 until you step up and then you're going to get, I don't know for, what did we say? 45 I long think 45 Colt long Colt is what we're going to have. And so it's the narwhals and that, so it's going to be my first tattoo is going to be a narwhal that I designed for my <laughs> hunting club, <laughs> but it was a whole great thing. I and mean, we've got it all covered. We have a brilliant mascot and we have, uh, I don't know, we need rings. To, I think we're going to do a ring, yeah. you know, some secret ring. Uh, but but we got we got the whole thing. I mean, even secret the greeting. Handshake. Hey, through the ice. Thomas, what's up? Um, so me and James are, like, members by proxy, right? Like, we're just. No, nah, I don't know. Y'all prospects. Are we, are we on a ring? I don't know. You, you, get, you, get, you get some kind of. I, I, I think I'm better than, I get nine mil at least. Thomas, I'm voting in. But I don't know James. Like I don't. I, you know. I think I think James is going to be a legend. I think he's prospect right now. We, I think Talk to we, me I, about the Spain I, thing and is the teammates I, going to Spain? I, I think, Narwhals I think Spain. wait. I think we hook you up. I think three fifty seven Magnum for Thomas, and he gets like a four inch bear, three three inch bear. Like that's that's what you got. I mean, is that the you, one that you did breaks shoot my wrist if I shoot it. No, uh, Spain. Yeah, so we're going to Spain with the uh, Spanish Rad Robertson, and we're going to do some Ibex. Yeah, so. Alvaro. So we're we're going to do ibex. Is that we're he, going? He got invited by Jason Vincent. Then, are we filming? Then then you may be in prospect status. Are we? Uh, are we oh. filming? Why else would I take you? I'm not for afraid sweet of spooning. LR. Am I? Can we both go film? Is this an invitation for the team? Or is Man, this, this is this is like Thomas is always when, when you're wanting to date the prom queen. Well, can my friend go too? Thomas is always invited. James, your prospect status. Um, we're not saying you're not invited, but James is a legend so far. In time. I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely bringing Spencer if I go. Oh, too this, many guys. This is a big Hold trip. on. Now, now we're. Trip. I ain't going. There's too many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. We're, if we're going to Spain, we're gonna we're gonna film. And of course, it'll take two of you. <sighs> what? 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 See what I do for my friends, like. Yeah, you d you did it for Jay too, and then there we are trying to shoot an. Jay Elon. did a fantastic job. You know it. Oh, you you know you can edit this out. Why don't you just stop lying? Because normally, you like, see that zebra video? 
Dude, he was top notch. Did, do you remember that Elon hunt? I do. Do you remember the audio? <laughs> <laughs> fucking douchebags, why don't you just shoot it from here? Fucking oh, man. <laughs> you know what was a really good video? Remember your uh, that first Buffalo? Oh, no, I don't because I don't have a video of it. Oh, wait a second. Never mind, Thomas. Oh, he, were, <laughs> he was wearing his South Boston tree climbers on that trip. Like, oh, my God. Thanks for ruining Buzzkill. He just fucked the whole vibe up. Ron's coming in here choosing violence. All right. I, I got my lifeguard here. New one with a silencer. I got my stone face. IPA. I don't want any hipster comments either. All right. I drink it because it gives me that good buzz and tastes delicious. Mm. So we're going to move along. So Ron Dan pulls the old sales speech with he just wants your dreams to come true. And that is it was very sweet, though. What's the second part of that conversation? Like, how's he how's he become, you know, the co-captain of Team Trailblazer? Yeah, so I think that I'll speak first and then you you fill in. But I think that. For sure, we all took him seriously. It's There's no question about that. We took him seriously, and I backed him up from what I know in the industry. Um, but Ron, you mentioned it earlier. Ron is one of the best connected people in our industry. He's never met a stranger. Everybody that he's ever met is a friend. When you talk to him, he's like, well, you know, we could talk to so-and-so. I mean, I'll text him right mm-hmm. now and it's anybody it literally is anybody in the industry yeah great resource especially you know you not being from the industry and you For know because sure. ron and i started similar ages and you know we're, we're you know in, in similar background as far as introduction to guns and becoming passionate about it and so because uh teasing about that sales thing because it's the difference in him and other people is he is connected and he is extremely knowledgeable and yeah you don't find that a ton it's for me it's been one of the most difficult things i i've i felt comfortable in what i was doing as far as designing and we can make it safe we can make it work but it's like how do i make everyone aware of this and ron is literally that missing puzzle piece for us yeah i mean because we were talking earlier like a lot of people can come up with a good idea, mm-hmm. but how do you translate that into a business? Well, there's, I mean, there's some steps in between <laughs> there that we talked about last night at dinner. It's, yeah. it's, it is, there's some follow through involved, right? Yeah. You know, from good idea or just idea. And I, I'm totally with you. I think there's so many people that have good ideas and I applaud them for them. And I say, bring them to me. Because I'll vet them and I'll bring them to the market if if I if I like them, but choose what you're passionate about and go through all of these steps that are required to make a return, to build a business, to hire employees, to you know whatever. You you and I probably shared the the same thing. The whatever is whatever I got to do not have to get a job I don't like. <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. I really like this thing, so let's yeah. just keep it on the. I rest. don't want to go back. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nobody likes going back. You know, uh-uh. you said something earlier that cracked me up because it's how I feel. I am or would be a terrible employee. Oh. I'm a terrible employee. I'm not hireable. I can't <laughs> go back to work. I have no prospects. I'm on LinkedIn 
Nobody wants me to come work for them. <laughs> I would be terrible, but I think I'm good at what I do. I'm good at what I do. Yeah, I agree. And even though I've actually probably taken a demotion in title, I mean, I'm still technically the CEO, but I don't function as the CEO. I'm really a product designer. Um, I'm not an engineer. I dropped out of college, Kevin. Um, yeah, I just, Eugene Stoner was also not an engineer. He seemed he seemed to get a couple things right. Yeah, but I I love what I do. I think you know maybe have some aptitude for it and definitely have passion for it, and that's what drives me. Yeah, passion and work ethic. And I'm I'm not afraid to say I'm wrong. I'm not afraid to say I need help. And I mean, what else what else do you need? Good team. Absolutely. When I uh, had that interview question, like, why Trailblazer? Which a lot of people in the industry have asked me, like, hey, that seems like a really small company, or it doesn't seem like the direction you were going. Why'd you pick them? And I said there, there was three P's that I mentioned. It was people, which was Aaron and Joy was the number one thing for yeah. me as to why I wanted to go there. Um, two was the products. I truly did believe in the products. And the story that Aaron said earlier, I was the first person to call. When that press release went out, I said, that's cool. I want to buy that. And uh, so, and not just the life card, which was the flagship product and the first product, but, you know, we have the pivot now and I've seen what's in the hopper for new products that we have coming out. So I truly believe in the products that we have coming out. I truly believe that we're not just going to be another me too, one of the big gun companies. And we all know the names of them, but we're going to continue to drive innovation. So it was people products and then the true passion behind it. Like everybody at the company is really passionate about what they do, which means everybody there is, there's no pride. There's no weird, like, Oh no, that's not my job or anything like that. Everyone's just driving forward. And, uh, that's been a big thing for me is, uh, that's continued. I've continued to see that that's exactly what's going on at the company. We're driving to come out with new products and new innovation, and we want to make items that are going to make a difference in the industry. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Well, look, you were right, but the fact that you did three Ps at salesmanship. Salesmanship. No, but, I mean, it's interesting. For for me, if you – I don't know how – other people are but if i had a choice of any of the big gun companies after being there a couple times it would be my last choice compared to a small company starting up that has a niche and it's based in innovation and something different and whether it is for a self-defense reason or it's just for fun but it's in our industry and there's it is innovation because there's not something like it out there available and it's something that I want. And, like, can I tell you why I want this? Like, I don't know if I really had to say. It's because it's cool, it's clever, it's quality. And, you know, especially that threaded barrel version, It's that's just so fun. Like, there's no way that anybody that, that likes shooting at all could have been with us yesterday. We're trying to shoot that can way too far away. And you don't have a good time. With the silencer on, I mean, this thing was stupid quiet. And it is amazing how good you did with the ergonomics, considering how little you had to work with. But grip angle, just everything on it is really good. It makes it enjoyable to shoot. You know, it's funny. um, Even Ron, recently we were in a meeting, and he was 
he was wanting to attach some superlatives to this gun. You know, it, could we say it's the smallest or the lightest or the quietest? And um, I'm not the judge of that, but um, my friends at North American Arms love their stuff, the North American Arms mini yeah. revolvers. And yeah, get, that's cool. That was innovative for the time, too, even though it's just sure. a revolver. For sure. And I get the biggest kick out of, um, you know, running into somebody and they say, well, you, you know, they, I tell them about this gun and they say, well, that's cool. But the smallest gun is one of the North American Arms mini revolvers. And, and I say, I said to Ron recently, I said, listen. Really? Because it's about yay wide. I brought one out and I said, find one dimension length, width, height, thickness that the North American Arms revolver is smaller than this gun when it's folded up. I mean, granted, when it's folded up, it's not ready to fire. And it is, or another another test is, go ahead and cram your North American Mini Arms revol- Mini revolver into an Altoids tin. And it's not possible. It will not go. Or your wallet, or your change right. pocket. I mean, like like this, This will go in... Unless you're Thomas and wearing your wife's jeans, this if you're a man, this goes and you wear normal jeans. Be this, a man. This goes into your change pocket. Thomas, I love your jeans. You're a very sexy man, and if <laughs> I liked little little men that could sing, you would totally be my jam. But I would probably make you wear different pants. Um. Uh. Yeah. But it, it is wonderful. You know, like I'm sitting here and all I. Like, when I like something, then it's probably in your nature, too. Oh, this is awesome. What's the next thing? Yeah. And like we were talking about, I got that, uh, your son asked me about the 40 millimeter last night, and I got out that M203 and that standalone. <laughs> it's like, I love 40 millimeter. That's cool. What'd be cooler is the thing was two barrels, because then you don't ever take your eyes off the target, and you're going to make a hit. You might not make it your first shot, the second shot, bam, you got it. So I just think with this, it's like, oh, man, is there space where it could be a double barrel? Like a Derringer style, like over under, bam, two shots. Because I told you about, uh, and uh, that, did he, he better not pull it on my lawn. Mm. Okay, mm. he's good. Um, so the uh, you know the the Dave shout out to Dave, um, PH over in uh, at Crusader and does the filming when Thomas isn't available because he has prior engagements. Or climbing uh, up a tree. Yeah, or, or messes up a, a dangerous game hunt by climbing trees. Ron, you were there when no. I stood my ground against the buffalo. You were there. You were with us when we shot the water buffalo? Oh, yeah. The, is yeah, what he's saying true? Because no, he's talked a big game about it. He did when stand you his see ground. camera two, which I threw to, to Ron mid-go, you hey, shot hey, it. Hey, 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 hey. When hey, you look at hey. camera two, <laughs> it's rather shaky. Well, I was running towards rather, the buffalo. You can hear yeah, his breath shaky. go. <laughs> yeah, because I was running but, towards the buffalo okay, to well, get to back up Kevin. Well, one second. So Dave, who we were talking about, you know, he was attacked by two guys. His uncle was attacked by two guys with machetes, and he killed them both with a North American Arms twenty two mag. Yeah. You talk about, and, and took a machete to the forearm. You talk about nerves of steel. But also, oh, the North American Arms, also a kind of a toy to me. The bad thing about the North American Arms, you can't put a silencer on it. Right. You know, but in the end, I actually know someone that defended his and his wives, his wife's, life with a 22 and killed two guys that actually attacked him with a machete so i do have one story about 
someone um, saving a life with a life card, and I'd love to tell it to you if you don't mind. I, I would. Can I tell the Buffalo story first wait, before sure. I forget? Because I want to. Yeah. Because that was old Alvaro. So we're, we're we're riding around in Argentina. I don't. You probably don't know. So shot. So first day, our homie Pat shoots uh, an incredible water buffalo. A herd happened to go through this dried salt lagoon. So we've got great video, and it's where the turkey was shot. Um, it looks like it's snow. It's just, I mean, incredible. Visually, it couldn't have been better. And this herd of buffalo come through there, and um, Pat shoots this big bull, and it was awesome when we got there. And so, you know, everybody, I mean, if you listen, if I hunt with you or you listen to the podcast, and you're like, I like broken horn and skew horn stuff now. Because, like, in Africa, I've shot just about everything except very exotic and rare stuff. And I'm trying to accomplish some of that now, some of the dangerous game stuff and other things like a Lord Derby or a Bongo. But anyway, um, so we're in Argentina. Ron really wanted a red stag and shot the ultimate red stag. And uh, I was open to whatever. And we're, we're cruising around actually looking for red stag. And there is a lone water buffalo with a, a bull with a broken horn. And I'm like, and all I have is my 6.5 Creedmoor and a 16-inch. And, you know, it, it, I've, shot, I've shot a lot of animals. And so I have, like, if I go to shooting, like, I'm confident that I can get this done. Now, I could be wrong, but so far, so good. Uh, and so we're riding there with the uh, Spanish rad, Alvaro. Shout out my homie. And uh, so I'm in the front seat, and he's, we see, I see it. And he's like, oh, man, it's got a broken horn. You like the broken horn stuff? And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, it does? You sure? Because it was on the opposite side, and I was on the opposite side of the vehicle. He's like, yeah. I said, can I shoot it? And he stops the car, and he looks, and he's like, yeah, he's an old bull. You can shoot him. And so I just jump out of the car, and he's at, like, not quite 100 yards, and he's in the brush. And I go to shoot him, and he stops and is looking at me, but through a bush. So I was like, eh. And he takes another step, and then all I have is his face, and I shoot him right in the face. Because it's like, it's a 6'5", and this is like a 20-something hundred-pound animal. It's bigger than a Cape Buffalo. And, uh, and I shoot him in first shot, bam, in the face, boom, goes down. There's dust everywhere. I know he's a big animal, and I've shot a bunch of animals, so I... There's all the brush in the way, so I just take off running. So shout out to Thomas, who had the balls this time, or didn't have his tree climbing shoes on, and takes off after me. So I get up there, and it was a good thing, because I get within like 10 yards, and he starts lifting up, and I shoot him again, and then I shoot him again, kill him with 6.5, and then... Three th shots of 6.5. And so he's got, his skull is cool, because it's got three shots right here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the pH is like, oh man, I thought you were kidding about shooting him. <laughs> and I was like, well, you said I could shoot him. He's like, yeah, but you just had the 6.5. No one's ever shot one with anything less than a 3.75. He's like, I thought you were just looking at him. <laughs> I was oh like, you said I could shoot him. Yeah, stop the truck. This is what we do. And he's like, that was that was incredible. And Thomas got the footage. My man. So so, so you have... Uh, yeah, and so life's hard. unfortunately there's no video footage to support this story but but we had a customer that wrote in and said i just want to let you know that the lifeguards saved my life and i think they were in i think they were in alaska i i, I think they were and um this guy and his girlfriend were hiking seeing some of the parks he had his lifeguard with him good for him 
and they come on this big bear and the bear is if you tell me you killed a polar bear with this thing no i'm all about it narwhals next (laughs) no i mean so he said the bear i mean i don't know all the lead up but the ultimately the bear charged them and he shot his girlfriend in the knee and as and saved his life <laughs> that's a, that's a joke <laughs> so we're going to pivot to Ooh, a new thing i like that but you know it's an interesting thing so in talking about this new product you're releasing uh, i was talking to this about Christine general counsel shout out Christine oh, awesome and uh, the other day, and so, so uh, a couple of my children are still in high school. When one goes to Phillips, uh, I mean, one goes to Exeter High School, and they have this lovely, uh, we call them resource, resource officers. So school she's resource a cop. Officer. It's a cop that's at school. And she has a Glock, nine mil, I think. And, uh, in their school, the hallways are like over a hundred yards long, mm-hmm. and I'm always thinking, like, hmm, did, how much does she train? You know, all those questions people would ask, like, she. But but then I also think I don't care if she's John Wick. Like, you got over a hundred yard shot inside the school, and you got a pistol with students everywhere. Yeah, so let's get some frangible five, five, six, and an AR if we're serious about protecting the kids, or at least a gun where you can make a precise shot at a hundred yards. Yeah. So um, thanks for teeing that up for me, Kevin. Um, I can't say that that is exactly what I was going for, but it is kind of where we've gotten to with with our new gun. When you think about a civilian or a law enforcement officer carrying a Glock sidearm, pretty good chance. That person is going to have a Glock sidearm. Yep, pretty um, good chance. And, and, and a Glock is way better than no gun. And I think in any gunfight, for yeah. sure, might even be better than a Sig. <laughs> Maybe the three twenty. When you think about, um, when I think about a school resource officer, and I don't think we had such a thing when I was in high school thirty years ago, thirty five years ago. But I think no, there's no, this we didn't have that. element of we don't want to alarm people but we want to be prepared and that's kind of the role of a concealed carry permit holder. We don't want to alarm people, but we want to be prepared. So that means I need something that's discreet, but that can still reach out and touch at a distance more than my pistol. A pistol is effective. I'm going to say for me, effective, 10 yards, 15 yards, and in. I'm comfortable making a shot at 15 yards, well, but not at 100 yes, yards. Yes, I mean, several of us are, but I think, you know, FBI statistics would say that it's probably half of 15 yards that people are effective right. with a handgun in a high-stress right. situation. Sure. Uh, yeah, so so that's the, the situation because to me, it, you know, it's like I said, my philosophy on the school stuff, and especially like younger kids and all, like younger kids, if they're in kindergarten, first grade, I just don't even believe talking to the kids about this because they're defenseless. And if you really want to save the kids, you put someone there that's capable with a firearm that can do what it needs to do. And a pistol is a very difficult thing unless you are very close and the right circumstances. I mean, shout out to that kid. 
what he was in the mall in, the other day and what yeah. he shot somebody like 45 yards 40 or yards 40 yards with a handgun like i and, never actually got the full story but he started engaging at 40 and who knows what actually but, happened but it's he like eight rounds 40. or something oh, all yeah. on target yeah. oh my man that is that is the one percent right oh, there yeah. that For is sure. the one percent if even a professional that's a one percent uh, yeah under pressure on the move with a moving target that's shooting back at you. And a like, handgun, a concealed oh carry gosh. gun. Yeah. Like, that is so rare. But So, for me, I'm like, well, if if we're going to train the kids and all these shooting drills and to be scared and prepared, I mean, cause an anxiety, which I hate. It's like, okay, well, then let's have a real deterrent. Let's have the cop have a long gun at the door where they – because especially in some little schools, maybe it's not that big a deal. But in their school, which is probably like many high schools in the country – like you got over a hundred yard shot in every hallway, so yeah. So, so so here we go. You know, law enforcement and military still have the advantage of not having to abide by NFA rules in terms of what yeah. they can use and what they can shoot. Um, civilians, not so much. So this gun, full disclosure, was intended to skirt NFA in its entirety from the beginning. So I don't it, say it's skirt. Uh, they put out the rules and you make things that well, make me, sense. Stay outside of NFA. That's, that's all I mean. So be gun control act. And because they're very inefficient at what they do. It For takes sure. a year to process forms, even when you pay them $200 to do it. So that right. sucks. Yeah. So um, as far as, you know, my, my design input, I wanted a rifle definition, rifle classification, 16 inch barrel, 26 inches overall at least, in a firing configuration. We set precedent with the lifeguard. We already got that classified. We talked with the ATF. They said, yeah, we agree. If it can't be fired when it's folded, then we're not worried about what it looks like when it's folded. So when it's open, when it's fireable, that's what we're gonna call uh, that's what we're going to classify it as. And so this gun is much shorter. It's SBR length when it's folded up. Yeah, well, this is folded. What is this, 20, 21 inches? 20.9. It's, it's, it's under 21 inches, just over 20 inches. It's it's 20 inches uh, except for the muzzle protrusion. Um, so, But in that configuration, it's inert. It can't be fired. You fold it around. Now... Even with the stock collapsed, it meets the rifle definition. 16-inch barrel, 26 inches overall. When you pull the buttstock out, now you have a full length of pull, 14 and a half inches or so, and the 16-inch barrel. You have a very compact, yeah, but yet very, thin. very organ, ergonomic, thin, um, very usable rifle. It's a rifle. It's a pistol caliber, granted, but it is a rifle still. Still. Not too heavy. Weighs Incredibly thin. Five pounds. Five pounds. Um, I'm fond to say the gun is the same thickness as a Glock 19 on the slide across the whole length of it. And it doesn't get wider. It doesn't get longer. It doesn't get taller when you fold it up. When you unfold it, fold it. It just gets longer, shorter. That's it. So, oh, I like this. Everybody's going to like that, like that HK slap feature. HK slap. So you got that. So... To fold it, you have to have the mag out. So Glock mag out, yep. you have to have it in the locked open position. Correct. And then you have a button here you press, yep. and then you can fold this thing around. 
and ba-bam. Yeah. Well, that makes sure that you're safe because we know there's, yeah, otherwise people are going to do the dumbest thing you possibly allow them to do. It'll right, happen. right. Yep. That's cool. This this holds the spare mag? It does. Basically, that's what you would feed it from if you have it in a backpack, which we're making bags with Savior Equipment, and they're custom made. It's a, it's a tiny version of their, I think it's their covert operator something like that did you make this bag look like anything other than a gun bag it does not look like a gun bag it's just a black backpack i mean we'll probably make them blue one day you know what i think we should have just thought of that thomas i want to do an ode to thomas back so it's going to be really skinny and small mm. and we are going to upcycle black denim will the pockets be useless they're going to be very small like you'll be able to put a tiny condom in them but i i think <laughs> How cool would that be if we did like cowboy bags? They go in my belt buckle. Yeah, we could do a top. We could do mine, which is like a little, a little heavy, a little big, and we could do yours, which is, you know, not so big, very small. And yours would be black denim, and mine would be like blue vintage upcycled denim, maybe with stretch marks in it. Hmm. What do you think about this? We, I like we've it. got a new product idea. Yeah. Easy to market. I mean, it'd be mine and your butts in a video. Yeah. Thomas, I got your back. Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. I, just, the ideas come. You got. No. You got to let those creative juices flow. When people, when people see this, right, and they say they, they're gonna say, right, they're gonna put five thousand rounds through this, right. Um, is it, at any point is that that like pivot part, the thing that it spins on, is that ever gonna like wear over time? You know, it's interesting that you asked that. Um, I got that same input from internally and. That is the part that's the of the least concern to me. It's just a pivot point. It's it's highly engineered. It's smooth. It's it's not also not under any stress because you're not that's correct. You're not forcing. It's not when the gun is operating, and it's also there. There's like no direct pressure or anything on that. It would that's just right. be like mechanical wear. I mean, if you and think if about round, your car door opening and closing. You know, over and over, all day long. Well, that's day. even worse because you get to a point with the car door and it, and it stresses the material. Sure. Like, There's no way to really stress this unless you were pulling in that direction. Yeah, correct. When we started going through with, you know, outside sources and outside contacts as to what we were doing to test this rifle before we release it, there were people that were like, you are doing way more than what every other manufacturer does um, for, their, for their product testing. Like, we... Yeah, we have put that gun through everything to make well, sure that it won't fail. Most small companies, there's just not a lot of testing. You build a prototype, works pretty good. You should, you know, you don't worry about drop test or any of that. That's not until you get to be bigger. But I know because we do all that stuff, and I know how expensive it is, and I know what separates us from like other companies. Yeah, um, you know, there's that kind of stuff, and most companies don't do any of it. Like small companies that are doing little you know the their designs but you know it's a lot of it's ignorance you don't know until you know if you don't go and research all these sorts of tests you got to do but also there's not a lot of guns on the market from any size company that you can't find a configuration and a height and a, a, a situation and environment to drop it in where you can't make it go off sure. and uh you know i, I do want to talk about what brought about this uh this rifle and why it w why it was brought to the market and why we thought that hey this is something that's missing, 
Um, there are some great companies out there that make 16-inch rifles, you know, PCCs, 16-inch PCCs that fold down or take down to very small compact packages. But we wanted something that was one of the fastest configurations possible from the time that you pull it from your bag or from under your seat or whatever it is in a defensive situation or um, for law enforcement or, or any, you know, any professional application the fastest way to deploy it and then also something with a very high quality build and there are some fast deployments yeah out that's there that that's i love caltech but they take it to like the 10 yard line um this is no caltech and what we wanted to do is come out with something that you know with atf and you know who knows what they're going to end up doing with brace laws but we wanted something that would not have to worry about brace laws mm -hmm. that would allow somebody and you know my background before this was working at vertex you know making bags where it allowed you know responsible citizens and armed professionals to carry the most amount of equipment that they can on them in the most concealed way possible this fits directly into that whole niche and uh that was our goal to produce the most high quality version of a rifle that we could yeah. that would deploy and be, you know, as fast as possible and as effective as possible. You know, when I design something and I, I have no um, design training, Kevin, I mean, full disclosure, you know, I got kicked out of college. So, and I wasn't even studying engineering at the time. But when I design something, it's really important to me that it's functional when it's out, when it's when it's the way it should be but it's also functional or ergonomic when it's folded up. I want it to be right in both configurations. Yeah. So with our lifeguard, you know, the importance to me was small form factor, rectangular, thin, short, but yet still usable, very utilitarian when it's open. And I applied that. I took that to our pivot rifle and it was a tall order to say, it's got to meet the rifle class, but it's got to be compact. It's got to be Glock 19 thin and as short as possible and still, you know, completely usable. And I think we accomplished it um, as far as I'm concerned, but it's extremely ergonomic. Everything is where you think it should be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... You know, what you're talking about to me is a couple things. Design language, so aesthetically, how something should look. And then also ergonomically, like those are subjective things to a lot of people. And some people just, you know, they can't get it. And there's a segment of the population where I think we understand it better. But e even the people that don't get it right away, you know when you pick it up. It's just there's some sort of disconnect between you know you like it, but you can't figure out why or address it or you don't put the thought into it but why don't you like this other gun as much as you like this they both shoot nine millimeter they both take glock mags what's the difference to where you choose one over another one and i think these subtle details uh, is really what you're talking about what matters i think you're wrong in a couple ways i think for what you guys are doing and and i agree with you the atf the arm brace stuff like it's just sb they're just it sucks. It's stupid. Like, just say what an arm brace is, you know, like describe it. So 
like in every other thing in the world, you have rules, you have a rule book or you have objectives and it's printed. There's a measurement. Okay. Like when they tried to say, oh, all your honey badgers are SBRs. Oh, we're just kidding. Never mind. Forget all those attorney's fees. It's like, why don't you just tell me, describe, like define an arm brace and we'll design whatever you want. We're not trying to skirt any laws. Just like write it down. But no, we can't do that. But you can design one and send it in and we'll tell you if we accept it or not. And if we don't, we won't tell you why not. So just keep doing that for years. Like assholes, like stop doing that shit. But I think you're wrong in the sense that your company and the products that you're doing and NFA has become so mainstream with SBRs and with silencers, you could do an SBR version of this and probably sell just as many as you could 16 inch at this point, I think. And that's so cool. But imagine if it were half the size. Because you don't need a 16-inch 9-millimeter barrel. I mean, you know, you don't need a you don't need a 10-inch 9-millimeter barrel. Like, what if that thing had a 7-inch barrel and the stock folded and you had something, like, super small? And I wonder if you would sell even more. Like, I don't know. And you're right. The NFA process, especially with e-forms, Silencer Shop has those kiosks Shout out now. To them. And, like, you know, every, the whole process is way more mainstream and it's easier than ever. Um, and, you know, you remember 15 what? years ago, it used to be set up to where – if you had your form, they wanted you to mess up. Like they were, it was designed for you yeah, to fail. The only thing that sucks is they're taking too long now. But right. Silencer Shop has made it an easy process and everybody should be thankful, you know, because a lot of the stuff they're doing is holding them ATF and NFA accountable. Right. And it's speeding up, making things easier for them. But, you know, sooner or later, that's going to be an instant process or a very fast process. But, silencers are so wonderful for use everyone's gotten used to it i mean the silencer there's probably it's probably 20x what it was 12 years ago so people are now more familiar with this process and this uh talking about silencers specifically for this pivot the pivot comes with a tapered barrel but also includes a taper adapter so if you're if you're using a flat shoulder you know compatible suppressor then we have you covered there but if you're using superior taper technology, then use you're those all ready. tapers because then you know that vibration from that gun operating stuff comes loose. But you put that taper on there, stays tight. You don't have to have that big, heavy, dead air type mechanism that makes the front of your gun weigh way too much. I mean, that's a cool, subtle feature that it, we we every, love dead air and we love Mike Pappas <laughs> and Rod Cleveland. Yeah, so Ernie. so so great, so great, and wonderful, so great. Um, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, you see HK using the taper on their new gun. Right. We did it on the original Honey Badger. We did it at SIG. Of course, our rifles at Q have it. It's free. Like when you're machining the barrel, put it in there. And then you can have something where you don't need rock set or any type of glue. You don't need crush washers. You don't, you know, there's all these things that you don't need that give you a better product. So that, I mean, that's a cool feature. And I think some of those details, you, st- you look at that, then, you know, what are the other details in the rifle? If somebody's willing to do that and they have that kind of understanding, you, you probably got a good product all around. Yep. You know? And so the, you know, do you want to talk about what the next, and we can always cut this out if you Ooh, want, but do you want to talk about the Integral next? silencers, what that means. We would love to work with a company located in Dover, New Hampshire on a integrated suppressor for this. That'd be so fun. There's a lot of real estate in this gun. Uh, The bore is extremely low in the upper, Um, but there's a lot of volume for perhaps... It doesn't have to be wide, but the um, volume is there. Monocore type suppressor. 
Um, I mean, any type. It's like there's a bunch of real estate and you got nine inches of barrel you don't really need. That's right. Yeah. So you can get um, forward of the pivot mechanism. You can get maybe a 10 inch barrel and another five and a half or six inch suppressor. Do you think with nine millimeter you need 10 inches? It, I'm not saying you need it, but the way that our current design is, that's where the, the latch mechanism is. Oh, I got and, you. And now, yeah. in my limited experience in using chronographs, 10 inches is close to the optimum. You have, you have increasing velocity up to around 10 inches, and then you have decreasing velocity just after like, that. Just like 22s. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's great but you know like i say a shorter barrel for this reason you know like most of the ammo is really designed to perform terminally if that's what you're into if you're not shooting just static target if you're shooting you know if it's a self-defense situation or hunting or something but most ammo nine millimeter ammo it's all made for nine millimeter pistols that's the huge market so the bullets are generally designed to perform at that velocity level and i mean you know and and we all know at this point you only need a longer barrel if you want to shoot farther because you get that additional velocity. But it's people used to believe it; you're more accurate and have better dispersion. That's not the case, and oftentimes it's the opposite. And same thing, like you're saying, with nine millimeter with a sixteen inch barrel, you're actually losing velocity, just yeah. like with a twenty two. Like optimum length for a twenty two, depending on stuff, is going to be ten to fourteen inches. Never is it sixteen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, that's all. That's cool stuff. So these are well. These are starting to ship now, so by the they're time shipping. this airs, they'll be shipping. Yep, they're yeah. shipping immediately. Where do people get them? You guys going direct, or is it through distributors, or what is it? So there are some uh, dealer direct accounts, but um, almost every, I, I think every major distributor in the country has these available. So you know, if you're a shop oh, watching really? this, nice. or if you're an end user, go to your shop, and they'll be able to get this. Um, the, unfortunately, our production will not be able to keep up with demand for quite a bit of time but we're working on that so expect in 2023 we will start trying to meet as much demand as we can but we're on a back order situation pretty yeah. much from here till uh maybe spring of next year you know spring of uh 2023 but that's who knows like the demand knows? could continue to grow i mean exactly we continue to grow and produce more stuff and you know thankfully just like you guys like not that many people know about you at a retail level, you know, just like us. So it's like the more we produce and the more we get out there, the more the back order grows, which is kind of a great thing. You know, I was just, I've been playing with this the whole time. I never even said that. This is so cool. You have the little, you have the little space in here, the little door where you put, you put three rounds of ammo. Is three that rounds. Right? Yeah. That's so cool. Reminds me of the Liberator pistol. Oh, yeah. World War Two. you yep. know, it held like whatever, five or ten rounds in the grip. You know, uh, with this, and it's just part of my design language where it's like, I want this thing to be ready to use whatever it is. I mean, I'm not saying the lifeguard is the best self-defense gun, but I want it to be ready. So you got three additional rounds. You can carry one in the chamber with the pivot. We're making a backpack with Savior equipment and you can put, uh, up to a 27 round Magpul PMAG in this in the stock. I didn't even know they made Glock mags. <laughs> yeah. So you have, um, you can put Glock mags um, smaller than the 33 into the spare mag holder. And so you've got this in a bag. You can picture a very small bag, very thin, or no bag. That's fine. But you've got a magazine in there, and you open it up, 
extend the buttstock, pull the magazine out, slam it home. HK slap. You're that's ready cool. to go. You even did it with your your left hand. That's you for the lefties. That that's, right. that's pretty cool. Do you yeah. shoot lefty? No, Kevin? I shoot right hand. I know I talk shit about being left handed, but I shoot right handed actually. <laughs> I'm just I just the right, right and eat left handed. Um, and, and well, it, it is like I can't even really bat, or well, I can actually shoot left handed all right, but I can't swing a bat or anything left handed. But I can draw and paint with both hands. Based loud, on what we did weird. last night, you can't shoot right handed either. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Shots yeah. fired. So, wow. Uh, so fuck this guy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so let's also, talk about the Celtics of two thousand. I, I also didn't see you hit it. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's true. It's because I'm left-handed. Unless we've got money or there's an animal at stake, I'm probably terrible. Um, Thomas, I just thought of a whole marketing scheme with this thing. They started talking about like disguise and stuff, and in the bag, it's like <laughs> ship it. You know how? Well, I'm always kind of torn. Remember the old Colts? They came in like the plastic bag that was right. sealed with the oil. This gun, Thomas, should be like in uh, come in. Uh, you just stretch a pantyhose over it, and it's in the box, <laughs> <laughs> like the, like the old bank robbers with the pant- disguise. You know, disguise to smush your face. Disguise weapon. You just we could do that. Stick it in a pantyhose. Oh yeah. I I got to stop giving all this away, Thomas. Yeah, you you should, and I would you be. You should charge for that. We'd be living next to the Jeffersons if we were doing things correctly. Be at the top. Um. Oh, okay. So it ships with how many mags? One mag. And okay. it will come. It, it will come with a uh, Glock OEM mag, so that actually costs oh, twice as much as every. Why other aren't you mag going with the Magpul? Well, Magpul makes a great mag. ETS makes a great mag. There's a lot of great U.S.-made mag options that are out there, um, but nobody will argue that the best Glock mag that exists out there is the Glock OEM mag. With this being the highest price point premium PCC that's out there, we want to make sure we included the absolute best stuff that's in there so you know the taper cool. you, you know the taper adapter that's on there you of all people know how expensive that is and we're including one with every single gun that's out there we're including a pretty high-end premium thread protector with every gun that's out there we don't want to cut any corners at all on this gun so we fully expect that um, most people that buy this gun already have probably quite a collection of magazines i would imagine it's the same way same with yeah. ars yeah yeah. Locks and ARs, everybody's got to have a bunch of mags. How many sure. mags do you ship with a uh, mini fix or with a honey badger? Fifteen. You bullshit. Correct. Mine. I I need fourteen when I go to Q after this because I was shorted. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. All right, I provide. <laughs> Uncle Kev. Wow, Uncle Kev. Uh, yeah, one Magpul mag or OK Industries mag. Like five or ten yeah. rounds. So with those subdef rifles, yep. I saw there's a special OK Industry mag that comes with. I it. hate that mag. I don't know why we went to that. Well, the reason we went to that mag was there's so much, so much variance in the Magpul mags that we were using. Right. And as the tool wears, they produce so many mags. As that tool wears, the magazines get bigger. Mm. And so then, like depending on which tool it comes out of, some of them, even the feed lips are taller now, and it interferes with running the bolt. And so, and then also, we were shipping with what were those twenty round mags? Maybe right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what mag we were shipping. With. I can't remember. Twenty round. It was mags. a ten. Round. Yeah. But the OK's the OK industry is okay for every state. Right. But I, I do not 
like that decision that we made, and that was done without me knowing. And I think that mag looks stupid because it reminds me. I'm old enough to where I remember the Clinton crime bill. You oh, know, yeah. and so t- yeah, so ten round mags, and so you had all these stupid mags with the big plastic follower. So you know, I, I like maybe that's not a logical argument, but I'm just not down with that. I don't like it. I don't like that mag. Okay's okay industry, they're mil spec mags, but maybe they've sold. They're not doing it anymore. But those are all great mags. But I don't even like the one we're sending in ours. Like I'm calling our people out who made that decision. This little small mag that Christine. we're sending now. Christine, Christine, we're calling you out, but Christine is a great spin instructor, by the way. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, thank God. She does that. She has so much energy and like says so many words to me every day. If she didn't do that spin class every morning, I think she and I would, I would probably throw stuff at each other. We talked about it this morning. She says it's strictly something she does for mental health and she can feel when she has for my mental health or hers. Probably for both. (laughs) Probably (laughs) mine and her husband's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're both named Kevin. Oh, hey, shout can out I, to other Kevin. Can I take a, a moment of personal privilege? I think that's kind of like uh, things you do when you're you're trying to be in order. But I don't even know what you said. Yeah, personal privilege. So it's like I'm going to go off prompter for a second and ask you, you've developed at least two cartridges mm-hmm. that, that the industry didn't ask for, and you did them. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll tease out a little bit that one of my passions is concealed carry pistols. Um, and so I'm actually working on a cartridge of my own design. I haven't talked to you about this yet. This is the first you're hearing of it and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into great detail, but tell me about the challenges of developing your own cartridge. We actually talked about this this morning, like great cartridges and why they failed and why some have been successful. Yeah, I think the handgun thing is different. I I mean, I I feel I'm very transparent and open, and I'll say everything that I know. Because, number one, I'm not afraid of giving up anything or competition or any of that stuff. But it's like that's a tough market handgun-wise. So here's what I'll say about what I've done that's been successful and I think it's been successful. It's in rifles. So silencers are becoming more popular. So... The two cartridges that I've done, both blackout, 386. Supersonic, subsonic. It's a barrel change only. It increases the capability and performance. There's no mag modification. And there's a lot of engineering and attention paid to that so that we can get complete reliability with common magazines and full mag capacity. There's no bolt change, so it's a very easy thing to do. And I think both of those, super and subsonic, greater capability and then not having to modify your gun other than a barrel swap is is the recipe for me however there's always a however or if you keep innovating or you keep changing or you keep learning you know you, you always reserve the right to change your mind eight six is it necessary if you don't understand fast twist probably not if you understand fast twist it's the greatest new cartridge but it's a weapon system Right. Um, where, you know, I don't know that I'm smart enough to design like these guns that you've done, but I am smart enough to improve on in a simplistic way, some things and the fast twist, you know, our goal was to have a, a magnum capability in a very compact and lightweight gun. So how do you perform that magic? And a lot of people are, well, not a lot anymore, but 
I still see it sometimes. Think fast. The twist has no impact on the bullet, which is the most asinine thing. And I try to be nice to everyone because, you know, it's ignorance. Until you don't know, you don't know. And I'm always ignorant every day in engineering when I walk in at my place. And those assholes educate me, and I walk out with more knowledge. I So to, to get to you, pistol stuff. It's interesting. You have people say, oh, 45, knockdown power. Okay, knockdown power is not a real fucking thing, guys. All right? That's a bullshit term that dudes in gun stores say. It's not a real fucking thing. Muzzle energy, that can be calculated, but now that we're doing fast twist, you have to change that calculation because things have changed. So muzzle energy, but at what distance are you shooting a target? So when somebody says, oh, because uh, I get this question all the time. Like, it's just the basic questions, and, and I'm just a little jaded because of 29 years in the Internet. But I actually, in person, or someone's asking anything in earnest, I will always spend the time to share the limited knowledge that I have, which, but it's more than the novice guy. And, and that's, that's what I'll say to that. But it's like, uh, knockdown power is not a fucking thing. So where, where we start with everything and where I think is correct. And I've been taught by my engineers and the programs that we've done. Where are we trying to get to? What's the thing you're trying to do? That's the thing. So we start there and then we backfill that sets our priority list nine millimeters. So everybody's all into 45. 45 is so great. Texans, you know, it's, it's got 45 is stupid compared to nine millimeter because you are not like with a pistol, you have to hit the central nervous system to instantly incapacitate someone. And like if you shoot some villain, some terrorist, somebody trying to blow something up, if you shoot a bad guy and you shoot him through a lung and he's going to die 10 minutes later, thank you very much. It, it's a great thing. But if he can still set off a bomb or he can blow something up, or he can shoot eight other people, yeah. or take a machete to five other people. That's not doesn't mean anything. And so, unless you're shooting a rifle cartridge, if you don't shoot them in the central nervous system, they're not instantly incapacitated. So you know, same thing like on a lion hunt. If you wound a lion, and that lion charges you, you better shoot him in the fucking brain. Because if you don't, you're gonna get chowed. I mean, that's just the way right. it is. It's it's cool if he dies. But if he dies after you die, who cares? And with a leopard, a thousand stitches per second. Oh God! You know, we, Don't make I'm about leaving in one week, man. By the time this comes out, week, oh my you're, God, you're on your way. So back. I will either be looking like Frankenstein or I killed a leopard. Yeah, one of those two things. But here's the thing. So I'm interested. So it was really cool to see. So that the industry, because of bullet technology and a better understanding, went from 45. Well, started at nine, 45, 10 millimeter. 40, 40 cal 357 sig 357 sig which shout you know, out shout out to 357 out. sig cool but stupid and, 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 and I, bottleneck rounds feed great and all but it takes up more space and it breaks guns okay so that's the thing but you're still shooting a pistol round but so the incremental difference nope you don't get to ask question but the new 30 carry i'm kind of interested in that because the gun's going to operate it's going to be reliable it ain't going to break guns and be unreliable like a 40 cal or a 45 and then you carry more rounds for the same weight, and you're still putting a pistol around somebody, and bullet technology's gotten better. That's my thoughts. What do you got? So, so, you, so you're going 46 auto? So I, I appreciate you teeing me up for that, Kevin. So with the 30 Super Carry, and I, I'm no expert on 30 Super Carry, but what I heard either. in their marketing message was uh, 20% or two more rounds in in the same platform. Now... When you're carrying an eight or a ten, 
a cartridge gun and you get two more rounds. Okay, so you got two more rounds. Great. When what I've read about shootings is the the big problem is not lethality, it's accuracy. So cartridge count is super important. So the number of rounds that I have to put on target, now that's not necessarily my problem, but that's the common problem, is I'm going to miss most of the time. So the more rounds I have, the better chance I have of putting a bad guy down. So for me, that says it's not lethality that matters. It's round count that matters. It's capacity. Mm, I don't know. I mean, if you're more comfortable, she, you know, people watching that train a lot, gonna be, all you got to do is go train. Well, that's also true. And it's also true it's if the true. gun's more ergonomic. Right. You're, you're going to shoot it better. If you have better sights, you're going to shoot it better. Like my vision is so bad now, I can't use iron sights. So my carry gun, you know, and, and for full disclosure, what I carry is a Glock 43. Wait, what's the other model? That's 43X. I carry a 43X with a, a tiny little red dot on it, right. and that's what I carry. And I don't worry about more than 8 or 10 rounds because I think at that point, if I'm not to my honey badger then I'm probably running or I'm dead. So imagine... But I can shoot the gun very well. For the sake of argument, though, imagine that not everybody's as good a shot as Kevin Brittingham. Oh, God, I hope um, they are. Imagine that you have a Glock 42 size carry gun, which is what I carry. That's the little small one, like the 380. 380, Yeah, yeah. Which is a 6 plus 1. Imagine that that gun, all of a sudden, the stars align, and that's a 12 plus 1 or a 15 plus one gun, the same platform. Is that not better? Not necessarily. Depends. What I would say is, so the the guy who built my custom Glock that I carry with the red dot and all, he sent me one of those, I know you'll know the name, the company that makes the metal mag, Shield or Shield. something. Shield, yeah. The mag's not as reliable as the Glock mag. So I don't, right. I don't care if it holds more rounds. Like when it comes to saving your life, to me, reliability. And I've seen, like, if you watch Donut Operator, shout out to him. Thanks for sending my son all those shirts. I got something for you. Um, so a lot of his videos, one round malfunction. Like, that happens, I mean, not a ton, but it's happened in several videos I've watched, which are all live, real shootings. So reliability, to me, is number one. And which for is, sure. And, it, I mean, that for me, it goes without saying, even though we need to say it while, yeah. while we're standing here talking. But reliability is the utmost importance okay. to me in a concealed carry okay. pistol. Okay, so, so then what's your angle? What, what's the cartridge? So to me, it's, it's, it is it's No, you got to cut it out. We should not talk about the We're not going to talk in details, but we're going to say that it's a smaller diameter. It's a higher capacity, equal power um, concealed carry cartridge. Well, I, it rhymes with schmevin. Shmef, <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding, it doesn't. <laughs> well, well, I like where you're going, and I think that is a thing. You know, it's a concept even with the, the 30 carry. That's what it's called. Super 30 carry. super carry. So it is that you're not losing a ton of a ton of bullet performance, but more rounds and easier to shoot. Easier to shoot for uh, women. That's my thing. With yeah. 30 super carry, and I, I don't want to turn this into a big advocate thing for 30 super carry, but female shooters like and i've dedicated anybody that knows me knows i've dedicated a big chunk of my career 
to educating and teaching women and children, right? I want them to be able to defend themselves and, and, and be responsible. Yeah. And uh, for female shooters, if they can have a good, reliable, effective... Small gun, because then oh, it's yeah. also ergonomically Ergonomic. for Thomas' hands. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you're wearing jeans as tight as Thomas, you need a small gun that has a lot of rounds so you can be effective from a defensive aspect. And 30 Super Carry, if I really do hope... I mean, and it has... It has not taken on as much as I thought it would, but if it's, I think it's to be, a good idea. But I think that whole concept. I think you're right. Like you know, the, the I mean, the five seven also the same thing. Like right. like that is that. You, you know, and you also need to, people need to understand. You know, five seven four point six with HK. What it was written, what it was designed for. There was a requirement and that was a penetration at 150 meters of a certain Kevlar helmet. Like that was the idea, and the, and the hit probability is very good with it. But is it the best thing? Like, what are you? And, and that goes back to what I said earlier. What are we trying to do? What are we designing the product for? But I think all of these things are considerations. Like, like we said, you you have number of rounds, you have reliability, you have something that's ergonomic, something you can shoot well that doesn't have a lot of recoil or breaks guns. I mean, I mean, you you have to have everything. Whenever somebody says accuracy. Accuracy is the only thing that matters. Okay, well, let me give you a 100-pound gun that holds one right, round, idiot. Right. Sure. I want to talk about how 5.7 was released as many years ago as it was, and it is now, I think it's in its peak right it's, now. I mean, it's or not it's, in its peak I mean, it's, it's, I think it's 1991 so is when it came out. Right. Yeah. Is that right? Do I think know? it was in the 80s. I, I want to no, say... it wasn't the 80s. Not commercially. Okay. Not commercially, no. but I think it was originally... But, well, uh, the, wait, wait. The, I have a phone, the Google machine. PS, I'm check this PS90 out. was named for 1990. Oh, my man. Is that true? I hope that's true because that is makes us absolutely look absolutely true. And what I'll say is, you know, so we're looking at 32 years later, right? Over 30 years later that that round is just now in the past 10 years becoming to where it's like a very viable thing. And Kevin and I talked about this this morning, which, you know, for oh. anybody watching this, when whenever a bunch of us get together, we are big dorks when it comes to guns and ammo and any of the stuff. The five seven pistol was designed in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. What about the five seven cartridge? It w- it was eighty eight, eighty nine. I'd like for you to Google five seven by twenty eight. Ninety is the reason. Uh, it but I don't know if that's that might have been the concept. Um, no, it's it's definitely but true. we talked right, about Googling, Googling. great rounds and why some of them have taken on like why did six eight fail? You know, because ultimately six eight has not caught on. So well, well, five seven. Well, it took well, it thirty two years for it to really catch on. So interestingly to me, and it's caught on now. It, oh yeah, I would, I would say, say in a big way. It's, it's well, caught it, on. what's more popular, five seven or three hundred blackout? Three hundred blackout. In but my it, house, it's interesting to me. <laughs> Nineteen ninety is when the cartridge was designed. That's what I said. The fact is, yeah, that's what Ron said. The fact is that was developed for military use. Right. I'm not advocating my cartridge. It was a NATO. Wait, I have to say this on Wikipedia. It goes by in service used by 40 nations plus. Yeah. Wars. Mexican drug war. <laughs> no way. That's yeah. the only war listed? No, it lists others. <laughs> but that was in the top three. It made my day. So for me, uh, I'm a civilian. I, I was in the military, but I'm not in the military anymore. I won't be anymore. And that's a real need. Till the revolution comes. There are far more civilians than there are military people that are gun users. So 
what's the real world use for me commercially is concealed carry. It's not for, I, I don't get the luxury of designing little tiny SBRs. Dude, after the threaded barrel thing. So we obviously have to collab this after last night. We're in. Let's do it. So we're going to come up. I don't know what it would be. There's some things we need to do to make this even more awesomer. But for what you've done, and from my standpoint, I don't know. I don't even carry a gun every day. So come come try and take this money. Let's see what happens. But this is so fun. I mean, this is one of the things you take to the range with your buddies like we're talking about with the silencer on there. Oh, you will have so many great times and memories or, or with your kids or hanging out with your lady or just with your buddies. I mean, a twenty two with a silencer is about the most fun you can ever have with a gun. For sure. so and then many. young kids don't know it. We should collab and start educating these fools. Yeah. There, there are so many people that come to us and say, well, what's the purpose of this? And what's this? And what's that? And like, what can I do? And like, why? How is it going to replace my Glock 19? Or how is it going to replace my Taurus TX-22? And it's like, well, it's not designed to replace any of those. It's going to put a smile and on your face when you shoot it. At the That's end of the day, last night when we were shooting that, everybody around, which we all have, I mean, between the three of us, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guns. And it's like, Man, that's one of the most fun nights I had shooting in a long time. For sure. It's fun. And it's yeah. just flat out fun. So we should do it. We just got to think. So since Thomas is talking himself up over there and his skinny jeans cutting off circulation, we um, we got to think of a great marketing angle for this and put a combo together and make this a thing for make sense to both of us. Because we'll then it. we know it'll make sense to our customers and i'd like to think by the time this airs that we've got all that figured out so we're full disclosure we're talking about some sort of collab between q and trailblazer between the lifeguard and possibly the erector 22 we'll, we'll figure out a collab and have that released either direct or through silencer shop our homies there or whatever but yeah i don't know like why you would want it is because it's a good time and it'll last you forever. Absolutely. I don't know. Little James will tell you, you go to the club with five hundred dollars, you got one night of memories. You spend the money on it'll this, you got a you lifetime forever. of fun. No. Oh, that's talking. like a closer. I'm just nailing. I this. like that. That is a closer. I like it. Uh, but what's the price point on that? The the lifeguards start non threaded at two ninety nine and then uh threaded they start at three nineteen and the collaboration we are going to I, I i wouldn't put any of that in there but i would just put lifeguard start at 299 but i think we could safely say that the lifeguard costs less than an erector or or an erection does it, oh, i don't First know off, that's free i mean every i get those just waking I got, I got, up I got, I got, yeah I <laughs> that's got the healthy. only free thing in my life <laughs> my testosterone's a flowing Woo! So. i know ron and i aren't <laughs> bald because we don't have it yeah. uh, so <laughs> we're having a man moment uh so what what um yeah i mean i, guess, I don't are we done no we need a good That's we need a, a good closer we need to figure it we out. need a better closer i feel like hey, I can i give it. it a try can i give it a try what are you, what are you gonna try i can't wait to try see this the closer <laughs> can i talk to the audience you gotta pull your shit together <laughs> i'm ready you, all right you can do it. whatever you want from the very first moment that I started working on the lifeguard, I knew that I wanted it to be a suppressor host with a Q suppressor. So 
I'm happy to announce that we have now partnered with Goo on the smallest, lightest, quietest suppressor host in 22 caliber. 